Hello, everyone. This is episode four of the Stronghold Podcast. Uh, we're coming here from the gym, and I'm with my boy Ali. Ali just came here to, to Stronghold to visit us. Yep. Actually, uh, so you're from Vermont. Yep. But you were just training, you were telling me, in TriStar with Faraz Sahabi. Yes. What was that like, man? Tell me about that, because he's one of my favorite, one man. of my favorite instructors in the game. Man, it's insane in there. Let's pull that thing these, right up to your face there. These guys in there are amazing, man. They're amazing at what they do and the way they coach, you know. They, they just implement it in your head, you know, just get it right in there, you how know. Long were you, how much time have you spent training there? Um, I try to go as much as I can. I honestly, like, sometimes, like, there's some weeks that I won't be able to make it, you know, just won't be able to afford it. Or uh, I would have some, you know, some something in life comes up, you know. So you're saying it's like a two-hour drive for you to go from Vermont to Montreal where TriStar is? Yes, two yeah. hours. Two, two hours. hours drive. Sometimes I'll do like an hour class and then drive back. So you're doing like four hours a day if you drive down and back? Yes. And you got to cross the border and do all yes. that shit too? Yeah. Yeah, that's what yeah. you do for good training though. Yeah, man, it's worth it's worth every minute of it but that's know? what Faraz used to do back in the day right when he was still trying to get his black belt he would go to new york yeah so they would all him and george st pierre would drive from like montreal all the way down to new york yeah train there yep. for like a long weekend and then go back to montreal yeah yeah so uh ollie's here visiting us he's gonna help out at stronghold for a little bit uh we were looking for somebody like you who can do a little bit of mma who can do some striking who can help out with kids classes who can do gi and no gi and all that kind of shit and you're one of those one of those people that is well-rounded Thanks. We were just we were Thank just having you. a conversation earlier about how we like to do everything. You asked me like, do you yeah. like gi or do you like no gi? I'm like both, man. I've been doing striking, grappling with the gi, without the gi, all since the very beginning. Yeah, and I think yep. it's important for young martial artists to have an overall martial arts for sure skill set, right? For Not sure. just being a specialist is cool, but I like my students to have a well-rounded game that's universal in the gi, universal in no gi, universal yeah, yeah. with the striking. For sure. I mean, like martial art in general, you're supposed to be uh, seen. Uh, uh, you're, you're 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 always gonna have different uh, view, different styles, different different uh, martial artists, you know. And everybody do their thing. So it's like uh, uh, it's like you want to be able to like learn from another person. So it's like. I'm always into like um, jujitsu. Like uh, I get into like MMA. You know, I get into like all these. Uh, do you do any grappling training with strikes? So do you like do any combat jujitsu or just MMA MMA grappling where you're putting on the gloves and actually hitting each other or anything like that? Actually, at UFAI, we do like uh, sometimes open hand, the, the, open yeah, hands, the bitch slaps, bro. Oh yeah, <laughs> I oh, do that. man. I think those are more brutal than uh, yeah. like a punch. Well, punch, definitely you know? change your training up. <laughs> Yeah, we uh, sure. we've done it sometimes in my class. And sometimes we'll just fuck around with it, and we'll yep. just start palm striking each other in the middle of the match. It makes a huge difference. For sure, dude. It makes you really want to get out of position if you're like in somewhere, you know. And it teaches you an important lesson. So I just yeah. did a I just did a private lesson this morning for uh, a husband and wife yep. who've never done any martial arts training. Right, this was like their first day. And, uh, you know, if you come for a jujitsu private lesson, a lot of coaches will, you know, they'll have you hip escape, they'll go through the positions. Yeah. But the first thing that I do is explain the guard. So, like, if you're laying on your back, having your feet on someone's hips, and then the person on top will just try to, like, slap you, right? Or yeah. just trying to yeah, throw, just like, a light strike to your head, and then you have to push away with your feet. Yeah. Right? Just so people understand the importance of the guard. Because then, if you say, if I'm on top of you and your feet are on my hips and I try to hit you, you'll just push me away with your legs. True. Right? And then yep. you understand, like, okay, your guard 
It's quite literally your guard. It protects you. Yeah. And then I say, okay, so now I'm going to pass to the side. I put my knee on your belly or I go to the mount. And now watch when I try to hit you. Now you don't have your feet to push away. So yep. all you can do is push away with your hands or yeah. start to block. Yeah. And you quickly start to realize that with strikes, having your guard is so much more important Blind. than even it is when yeah. you're just doing pure jujitsu. Because sure. all you think about then is like protecting your neck, protecting your arm. Yeah. But when you can throw strikes, yeah. having the ability to push someone away with your legs is huge. It changes the whole game. Changes the game. It changes the whole game. So that's but. one of the things I, I think that a lot of the modern jiu-jitsu academies lack yeah. is the sort of it's all sporty which is cool like sport yeah. jiu-jitsu is cool I, I love it right yeah. but i think for absolute beginners it will uh illustrate the point of how important your guard is just to do very basic very basic self-defense like yeah. i just try to yeah. lightly slap your head and can you block can you yeah. push me away with your feet more importantly can you stand up can you get away run shit away like that. yeah 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 mm. well yeah like i mean it's either like you're compressed you know you're close or you out of that distance, you know? If you're in between, usually you'll get caught in, in the, you know, a strike or, uh, you know, or a submission or whatever. So Did you ever see the, the Joe Rogan podcast with Eddie Bravo and Hicks and Gracie? Did you happen to watch that one? I saw a little bit of it. So that one was quite interesting, right? Because yeah. uh, Eddie Bravo does the rubber guard. Yeah. And the rubber guard, for those of you that don't know, if I'm laying on my back and you're on top of me between my legs, if I pull your head down and I grab my leg so that my calf is across the back of your shoulders, I can basically hug my leg and it will keep you pinned down on top of me chest to chest. Yep. So what that does is it takes away space. Yes. So you can't sit up and punch me. Yes. And so I think what you're trying to say is like if you're on the ground and you're really, really tight, it makes it so people can't posture up and punch yeah. you. Yeah. But conversely, if you're sitting back further, I want my feet to be on your hips yeah. for the same reason so I can push, push you away. Yeah. But anything in between that area, yeah. if you're, I'm not hugging you yeah. or I'm not pushing you yeah, away, you'll, you'll get caught. You're in danger yeah, to, you're to in be danger. Uh, striking, to be for struck. Sure. And then I remember in that podcast um, – they were talking to Hickson about how he likes to play his guard. Yeah. And he was explaining he always likes feet on the hips because he doesn't want anybody to be close enough to punch him. Yeah. And then Eddie was saying, well, what if I get you in the mission control? And he showed that position that I just described earlier. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I see. You can't, you can't hit me here. And, of course, they're both right. Yeah. Right? It's just yeah. that in-between zone where you're trying to posture up, where you can push, and then when you're tight, where you're really in danger. Yeah. So it's yeah. one of those interesting things where you see the old school, like feet on the hips guard. Yeah. And then the new school, new school like yeah. really tight in the rubber guard. And yeah. then, but they're both right. Like both yeah, of those true. positions are defensively sound. True. It's in between where you get caught and you're in danger. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two legendaries, man. Like, yeah. It's crazy. And it's like, I feel like jujitsu is just always going to evolve. You know, like you're saying, like new school, old school. You know, I feel like in the next, you know, a few years, it's just going to like, something else is going to pop up. Yeah. You know, it's going to like, they went through like, the leg lock phase too, you know, that, that's when you were at TriStar, were they doing a lot of heel hooks and a lot of, cause I know Faraz loves that shit. Were they doing a lot, were you doing a lot of no gi or just the gi stuff? Um, I actually haven't done any gi there at all. You just um, do no gi? Just no gi. Um, I try to go to the, uh, sparring, uh, as just much as I can. Right next to your face. Bro. A little bit. Uh, cheers. That good? There you go. Yes. Cheers. Um, I try to go like for the sparring as well in there and, Man, the guys in there are phenomenal. Man. High level, right? High level. How many people I were on the mats? Um, honestly, I would estimate about like 30. Yeah, so every class is pretty 30, pretty 25, packed. you know, it's about that range. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So you're, a, you're like me. You're a four-stripe four brown belt. How long have you been training? 
I've been training for about eight years now, mm. I would say. And you've always cross-trained from the beginning? You did some striking and some grappling or when you started? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I started out with MMA and uh, I got into jiu-jitsu. At first, I was like, what is this? You know, mm. just another man humping another man. Was that your first martial art? Uh, MMA. Yeah, so you yeah. just started from the beginning? MMA. Yeah, when I was young, I did kickboxing, but I was like young. I wasn't really like thinking of anything. Mm. I was just doing it for whatever. But, um, and then I got into MMA, and a teacher actually saw me, and he was like, man, you, you really love that boxing stuff and all that stuff, you know? And I was like, yeah, and he's like, uh, he introduced me to the gym at UFAI in Vermont, and shout out to UFAI. And uh, they, they just, like, I fell in love with it, man. Like, um, first time stepping into a mat in a jiu-jitsu class, you know, and then getting caught, and you're just like, holy fuck. It's like a superpower, right? Yeah, it's like, damn, you could do this thing to, like, you know. It's, and, and at the time, I actually had somebody, you know, almost, like, my size, you know. And usually, like, like you, you actually notice that when people come into new gyms, they actually try to, like, size up people. Oh, yeah, you know? immediately. It's like, <laughs> you yeah. know, that. So it's like, I mean, I walked in, and I was just like, man, these, this wrestling thing, you know, people are just, like, wrestling. You really think it works, you know? But then when I got into it, and I was like, holy fuck. Oh, it works. Man, this And you're thing probably works. one of the smaller people in the U.S. too. Yeah, Because, yeah. I mean, the U.S., they tend to grow them a bit bigger. Hey, like, you're in Singapore. You're <laughs> pretty average size. Like, for me, I guess you and I are slightly bigger. Yeah, we're yeah. We're in Singapore, so for the locals here, we're slightly bigger than average. But you get back to the U.S., there's some big boys there. Oh, yeah. So oh, you're yeah. probably one of the <laughs> smaller people in the gym, which is always good for getting, like, good technical oh, jiu-jitsu, For right? sure, man. For smaller people and, like... You sh- even bigger people, you know, technique is everything, man. Technique is king, right? Technique is key. But that's the thing, though. When you're big, you can use your mu- – you can muscle out of some positions. Yeah. You can use your strength in positions yeah. that if you're small, you For just sure. can't. So you yeah. can't overcompensate with strength, with any sort of brute force. You're forced to rely on just, just your technique, yeah. which is why I think small people tend to always have the, the slickest jujitsu. They can't oh, yeah. rely on any of those physical gifts. Oh, yeah. They just got to get it done with pure technique. Yeah, yeah. The smaller, I feel like the smaller the person is, the faster, the, like, uh, you know, quicker, you know, like. Uh, the movement's a lot more efficient, the ex- way they move the body. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I have a friend of mine, Ricky, we usually, uh, we go to TriStar together. You know, we meet up and then we'll just go. And Ricky's uh, just smaller than me, like uh, 10 pounds smaller, uh, which is like 5 kilo. Yeah, something and, like that. And, uh, yeah, and uh, Ricky's just, like, that man you know it's insane like his jiu-jitsu is insane you know and like like i was saying like the smaller you are the quicker and more efficient like you said you know it's just uh crazy you know yeah i always feel bad for my wife she's like 50 50 kilos yeah she's like 105 110 pounds yep. something like that yeah so when she comes in here she's just always getting squished yeah but yeah. i know <laughs> i know down the line yeah. That that is just going to turn into a level of technique that's so efficient yeah. that if you extrapolate those skills for a larger person, the, the level of technique is in the skill level is pr- pretty clear. Yeah. It's clearly yeah. different. Like when you're small like that, you just can't cheat at all. No. You can't bully your way out of shit. No, you can't. You're used to getting pinned down and just suffering from the bottom oh, yeah. in terrible positions. Oh, yeah. So they tend to be very tough, yeah. very scrappy, yeah. like hard to tap out. And yeah. just like Charmaine, she's just squirrely as fuck. Like, yeah. like I, was, I was watching the other dude, day. She's like I a was spider like, monkey, bro. When she starts training, like she's 
fucking moving around, jumping around and climbing yeah. on your back, and you're just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> what is happening, yo? Because <laughs> she has she has no other no other physical skill sets like that to get around. So all she can yeah. do is hustle and yeah. use good technique. Yeah, yeah. Like um, usually, like you see bigger guys, um, they they think it's uh, like um, I've seen it too, where where, where bigger guys try to use their uh, muscle. You know, and all that. And usually, like, smaller guys would use that against them. And, like, um, how do I say this? Um, like, bigger guys tend to, like, rely a lot of times on the strength, you know? But when they strength, start... Strength, athleticism. Yeah, yeah. But when, when you see a smaller guy is just flooring this big dude, you know? Makes you wonder, man. This jujitsu stuff. Well, then you know it's, it's like the magic strength, touch, right? You know? Yeah. Well, it's the it's the, again the perfect thing that I do with with my wife when we lived in Malaysia when we were uh, instructors at Clinch. I said this in the last podcast. If we ever got like uh, a bro dude that came in, you know, like some eighteen year old, nineteen year old that wanted <laughs> to come in and fight and act like and just came in with an ego, it's like yeah. okay, just roll with my wife. Yeah. She's a 50 kg girl, and <laughs> yeah. when she taps you out, it's going to make you reevaluate your life. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to yeah. make you it's, it's hum- reevaluate it's humble everything. You. It'll it's humble you. It's going to humble you quick. Yeah, and that's because you see that if she can tap you, it's not about strength. No. It's not about athleticism. I mean, sure. even if you're a white belt guy going against like a small purple belt girl or something like that, yeah. you might be able to muscle certain positions. Yes. But on a long enough time, yeah. she'll get you, right? Yeah, yeah, just yeah. give it enough time. Yeah. You might be really strong, put her in a headlock for like two minutes or something, yeah. but eventually your arms are going to gas. She's going to yeah. sneak out to your back, and pretty soon she's going to be on your neck. And, yeah, yeah. You know, and then you'll quickly realize that, okay, if she can do it, anybody can do it. That's true. And That's which is true. why I think it's important for women to train just in general. Yeah. Because because if For you sure, see man. other women doing that to people, you quickly realize, like I say, it's like a superpower. Yeah. And yeah. if uh, it's, it's so a- empowering for women, right? We just did this uh, women's self-defense seminar. And I think you saw a bit of the end yeah, of it I there. Yeah, s- I saw that. Yeah. Right? I, s- I saw the face just glow up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's one of those things because if you're a woman and you're thinking about training jujitsu, it's a bit weird, right? Because it's very physical. You're sweating on each other. You're like sweating in each other's yeah. mouth and eyes. And it gets it's a little cr- uncomfortable. It gets yeah, gross yeah. and shit, right? Yeah. Like if you're a- averse to sort of physical close contact to that, like that, it can look a little intimidating. Yeah. But one of the important things that I wanted to stress in the women's self-defense seminar is that the training is fun. Yeah. First of all, it's fun. Yeah. If you're not having fun, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. There's no point in coming yeah. here. Like nobody wants to come train jujitsu on their off time if they have kids and a family and another job. If the training's not fun. Yeah. So that's yeah. the first thing. Is like, look, if you come and do this, it's not probably what you think of it is. It is in your head. It's just a good time. Yeah. And then the second bit is the empowerment that you get from the training. True. And you yeah. see, like, if you choke somebody, what it feels like yeah. to have somebody on your neck. I, I taught a triangle choke. Choke somebody with your legs from your back. Same thing. If I'm trying to punch you from the top, push away with the feet, stand up, get away, and yeah. go get help. Yeah. And that was sort of the thing that I was stressing for the women's self-defense seminar. And if you are a woman and you're thinking about training, it is fun. Yeah. That's the first thing. And for the second sure. thing is it's empowering. Yeah. Once you get a year, a year and a half in, and you're a young, small, or even old woman, and you tap out your first guy – yeah. That's a feeling of satisfaction. Oh man, you're hooked. Yeah. That's it. You can there's not many things that can give you the satisfaction of a woman defeating a man in a physical martial arts contest. Yeah, man. And yeah. if you stick around and you do jujitsu long enough, I promise you ladies, 
you'll get there. Oh yeah. And there's nothing oh, as yeah. empowering as that, right? Yeah. That's I see true. it. I see the girls the first time they tap out the guys, and you see this look on their face oh, where man. they're they're trying not to like <laughs> say anything, right? But you see. But you could just you tell. Just, you see this little. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to like. Swim. It's like fuck yeah, got it. And it's just like this little flicker in their eyes, and I look over and I'm like, yeah, I see, I see, yeah. I saw that. I saw that. Good for you. Good for you, man. Yeah, man. It's always interesting. It's always really fun and interesting, you know, especially like you always see like you see that on newer people, you know, come in and like you say, you see the, the, the face expression or like, you know, these could feel the vibe just change, you know? Yeah. You know, I just got my first person tapped or, out uh, you know, or whatever. Here's another big one. Do you remember the first time you like tapped out your coach or tapped out one of your coaches or senior, a high seat, a black belt or something like that, a senior rank? Uh, have, you got, have you gotten to that phase yet with your with your coaches? Yes. Occasionally get a get a tap or a sweep or something like that on your coach. Yeah, like you you'll get something and it's just like man, but at the same time sometimes it's like man, I don't know if he's going to turn it up on oh, me. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> Make no mistake, you will get punished for it. Oh, as soon man. as you catch your coach oh, in a submission man. or something, yeah. they all of a sudden right when it happens, they realize, "Oh, That's okay, it. you want to play this game? All That's right, it. let's do it." That's so it. you'll get the tap, you'll enjoy it for like 10 seconds, then you got to get ready for the onslaught that's coming your way yeah, as dude. soon as you do it. Oh yeah. Well, I went to Thailand 2014 and I was uh I did I was like 2 weeks in there and and uh there was uh, they were sparring, you know. And I'm watching this dude, uh, there's this guy named uh, Robo Rob, that's what they call him. And uh, he's one of the Thai trainers over there. And he was just smashing on this dude. Like, like he, the dude fell in the um, bushes, and he's literally, like, after him. Still he's hitting like, him. The Thais will do that, dude. <laughs> dude, and I'm, like, standing there. I'm sparring next, you know, and I'm just, like, standing there, like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so it comes a little crazy. Yeah, it comes to my turn, man, and like you know, I was like, oh, I was, the, oh man, I'm doing good, I'm doing good, and then he just switches it up on me and gets me in the knee. I just hit the floor. I was like, oh fuck. Yeah. <laughs> That's it, man. <laughs> That's it. Well, I was uh, one of the things that we were sort of talking about a bit of toxic jujitsu culture. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I saw one time, and I'm not a fan of this, is uh, it was the same sort of situation, right? We were at a training session. And one of the blue belts at an old gym that I worked out had managed to tap out one of the black belts. Caught him in like a foot lock, an ankle yep, lock or something yep. like that. Pretty rare for the yep. blue belts to catch the black belts. But listen, but it happens. It happens. It right? happens, it happens to everybody. It happens. And, uh, but this is, uh, again, I was talking about some red flags in the last episode. This is one of those red flags where you got to be careful oh, yeah, who you train it. with. Because yeah. uh, what happened was this blue belt caught him in a foot lock and then tapped him out. And right away, I see this this coach's eyes. He just gets ah, super, yeah. super competitive. Yeah, he wants to show us up He wants up to now. show what's up, yeah, right? And yeah. he got caught with like a footlock from the single leg X, yeah, right? Yeah. So uh, right away, the net met, they slap hands, they fist bump, they go back again. The instructor immediately pulls the 50-50 because he's like, oh, cool. You want to play footlocks? Let's this play game? footlocks. You want to play this game? <laughs> Blue belt catches him again. Same oh. shit inside the 50-50 because this is one of his best moves, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. if you're not going to give respect where respect's due because that yeah. person wearing a blue belt yeah. even though maybe they have a brown belt or a black belt level move yeah. one move yeah. like an ankle lock or something that's really high level yeah. did the same thing went in there went ape shit he's like okay you want to play that game boom got ankle locked again yeah. second time in like this happened in one minute right man tapped out twice oh, by a blue man. belt and then after that i and i'm rolling at the side right and all i hear is <laughs> and, I'm, and i'm like fuck 
I turn around and I look and I thought he was like severely or injured yeah, or something, yeah, yeah. right? And then he screams because he's Just pissed, because he gets out, leaves the gym, throws a oh. fucking temper tantrum, right? Just gets out, leaves the gym. And then I'm looking around and I'm like, oh, what happened? And they're like, oh, he just tapped him out. And I'm in my head, I laugh because I'm like, dude, are you kidding? You're freaking out because you got tapped out oh. by a, a student? Yeah. And here's, here's why it's toxic, right? Yeah. Because first of all, if you tap out one of your coaches, you've trained for years, yeah. years to get to that point yeah. where you tap out one of your coaches. It's a moment the first time you tap out a black belt. It's something you never forget, no, right? No. And to freak out Implanted. over your ego because yep. you get tapped out in that situation and to rob your student of that moment yeah. because you're having a fucking fit because wrong. you lost is wrong. You're, wrong. you're robbing your student who you've yeah. been training years yeah. of this beautiful moment yeah, where you get to, to tap get out your coach you wanna, like you want to get him to that's that what level. you're training him to do yes yeah. and then to just steal that moment from him just yeah. so you can freak out and wallow in your own self-pity yeah, and your own ego that's gonna you know scar that person that got him you know he's gonna like it just makes you question, right? Like, yeah. why? What, what just happened? Like, it almost makes that person feel guilty. It's like, that's dude, what, what, I'm saying. what like, did I do? Scar, like, yeah. all I did was just try to do it. Yeah. And then you see one of those things, and that's sort of the ego taking yeah. over a bit, right? Oh, and yeah. Listen, man, I've, uh, I've had one time, I had this story. Uh, shout out to Daniel, if you're, if you're watching this podcast. I had this student called Daniel, and we were at the, the big trifecta over there. And uh, I remember we were doing specific training, right? And I, I started on his back. And, uh, you know, so it's a specific training. I started on his back or whatever. Or, yeah, I started on his back. And then he did that thing where, uh, like, I had both my hooks in. He just dove on a toehold from when I was on his back, right? He just reached, picked my ankle, rolled over, and started diving on a toehold. We just went for it, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and tapped me out. Yeah. And then I remember <laughs> we had this uh, Japanese guy in the class called Cats. Yep. And, you know, the Japanese are very... They appeal to authority a lot. They respect the, Higher the hierarchy yeah, yeah. and the higher belts and all that kind of shit. And he comes over to me and he goes, uh, oh, it's okay because he did a toehold to me and he's a blue yeah. belt and, yeah, you know, yeah. you're not supposed to toehold, but I don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. I let my white belts heel hook each other, right? Yeah. And he comes over and he kind of like making excuses for me, right? Yeah. He comes over and he's like, oh, it's okay. You know, he's not, he's not supposed to do that. And I'm like, yeah. no, man, don't take that away from him. Yeah, no. He tapped me out. No, don't. Good for him. Yeah, like, yeah. Don't, don't take it away from me. Like, just let him have that moment. Like, yeah. he tapped the coach. Yeah. Like, so yeah. even though, you know, your ego gets a little bruised or something, like, Guys, if you get tapped out by someone lower than you, congratulate them. Yeah. And then if you want to turn it on and you want to yeah. bring the fucking heat, then bring yeah. the heat. Yeah. But in that moment, yeah. give it to them. Yeah. And don't, then if you want to take it back. Take over, man. Yeah. Don't if you want it to take over in the role, the next role, after you slap hands, fist bump, and then you want to fucking bring the thunder, go ahead. Yeah. But in that moment when you get caught, if it happens, just let your students have that moment. Don't rob it from them by just it getting to in the your best, own ego. Man. It happens to the best. You know, it just... It's one of those things, you know, like, like it's like an everyday life situation, you know, things are just going to probably go wrong or whatever, you know, so it, it shouldn't like don't let your ego take over, you know, just let it happen, you know, and should we keep going or okay we'll just keep on going just talk nice and loud we got fucking dude <laughs> mowing the lawn over there about to scream blowing <laughs> But um, like I was saying, man, don't let your ego take over, man. You're like jujitsu and martial art in general. You're supposed to let your ego outside the door, you know, before you step in. You know, that's all. That's all what about martial arts. You know, don't matter who tapped you out. If it's a blue belt or a white belt, you know, or a black belt, you know, just use it as a you know good good thing. You know, oh man, now I know what to work on. You know, 
You know, I, I, I admit, you know, there's some times where if I don't feel comfortable, I'll tap. You know, it's not a competition. Yeah. I'm here to learn, you know. And if, like, a coach doesn't teach you that, then I don't know what the fuck they're teaching you, man. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, this is the thing. Like, you know, they always say that about jiu-jitsu. They always talk about, like, the you ego know, yeah, you lose your ego. It. Listen, you, you don't always, no, right? No. People still have that shit. And yeah. you can see people that have been training for years that still have that shit. Yeah. That won't relax, that won't no. chill out in certain positions. No. They'll go ape shit no matter <laughs> what with certain people. So jiu-jitsu, in a certain sense, does filter a lot of those people out. Yeah. But uh, a lot of them, it doesn't. You'll still just get that ego that never goes away. Yeah. And uh, you see it a lot with how people train. Like, are they relaxed? Let's yeah. say a, a purple belt's rolling with a, a white belt or something like that. Does the purple belt let the white belt work? Yeah. Will they let them pass the guard sometimes? Yeah. Will they let them put themselves in bad position to work some submission defense? Like, when a, a level disparity exists, you need to give and take a little yeah, bit more, you have right? to, man. If I just get in there, go in there with a the blue belt and I yeah. tap them like eight times in one roll, what, what am I doing? Right? Yeah. Like, what's, the, what's the point of that? Yeah. Like, I got to let them work a little bit because yeah. it's not fun. One of the things that uh, Faraz said in the, the Joe Rogan podcast, which is awesome that you train with him because he's one of my favorite coaches. Man, like, it, honestly, it's like an honor. Yeah. I you mean, know? you got one of the best in the world. Oh, man. He said, I, I uh, love Faraz, man. <laughs> he talks about one of the things that I think is the most important thing for a martial arts gym. E e which sorry, is, even ahead. though I don't talk as much because I know, like, it's a gym. I'm supposed to go there and just train. You know, usually it's just a high coach, and that's about it, you know. Um, but like, it's an honor, you know, just the fact, like, you know, I, I was going there and sorry to cut you off, bro. No, go ahead, um, keep going. Like, um, just the fact that he like, you know, he was like, you're, you're like doing good, you know, like encouragement and all that just boosted my, like, m like motivated me, you know, just, I want to be better now. I want to, cause I, I was at a moment in my life where I was just like, man, I'm, you know, I'm to a point where like. It's been seven years, eight years, and I'm like, man, I don't see like, I don't know what it, what it, what if there's gonna be any money in this or this and that. I'm leaving like all like literally like I would, I've quit jobs keep going, keep going. for this, you know. I've quit jobs. I've, uh, you know, so. But yeah, how <laughs> you good, bro? But yeah, well, uh, if you're if you're looking for money, it may not be the the no, best career man. path, but there no. there could be money in it down the road. Yeah, you yeah. just have to keep keep sticking. To, it takes a long time to. Build. I mean, you oh, know, yeah, it takes sure. ten years just to even sure, get to your black belt. So for you imagine sure. the amount of shit you got to eat in ten years to get yeah, to the point man. where you're usually making like, money and stuff. Usually, like uh, like the first few years in your jujitsu journey, you're gonna get discouraged. You're gonna have people like going ham on you. You're gonna you're just gonna be like this. Gonna be spazzy. Yeah, you're gonna be. Yeah, yeah, all that, you know. But um, down the line, you, you like, there's some time where you're just gonna sit back and you start realizing, oh, this is how this works. Mm. This is how this works, and it starts making sense, you know, you know. But um, but like I was saying, man, like, it, like you were saying, like for us, we were saying something in a broadcast, man. Yeah, well, so it was yeah. uh, one of the things that I think about for us that he's totally right on is he talks a lot about. The, the, the ideal level of difficulty. Yeah. Right? There's this ideal level of difficulty that you want to hit in every training session. Yeah. If it's too easy, you'll get bored. Yes. If it's too hard, you'll get discouraged. True. There's this point where there's the perfect amount of difficulty where, one, you can still get <coughs> into the flow state. Right? Because yep. jujitsu, ultimately, in the end, you want to be in the flow state. Flow. 
if the workout is too hard, it'll take you out of flow. Yes. If you're getting fucked up in the role, it's going to take you out of flow. Oh, yeah. There needs to be a, a certain happy medium. Certain happy medium that will get you in the flow state. Yeah. If you can get into the flow state, a lot of people will keep training. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that's, that he talks about is that perfect level of difficulty. And I try to get my students to get each other into that, that flow state. That's my goal with the training. Yeah. Yeah. And so, for example, if you're rolling and two people are about the same level, then you can just kind of go hard. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. But once you're once you add striking or wrestling, then you have to let each other work a little bit. So, for example, you have to, man. if I'm ro- if I'm doing uh, Muay Thai yeah. with a beginner, even if it's somebody who's done like two or three years of training and I'm just fucking them up. Right. I'm just touching them up and touching yeah, them up. Yeah, I just keep yeah. touching them. I keep touching them. It's not going to be fun for them because no. they there needs to be a little give and take. Yeah. If I hit you a little bit and then I let you hit me back and we can kind of get these skirmishes flowing yeah. back and forth, yeah. back and yeah. forth. By the end of that round, you're going to be pumped up. You're going to be ready to pump your chest and go again. Yeah. But if you're just like nervous and you're, yeah. this anxiety is in there because the difficulty level is too high and you're getting kicked and you're getting punched, you're going to hesitate to punch back and you're just going to get locked up in the shell. Yeah. You'll never hit the flow state. Yeah, and then by the end of the training session, you're just going to be like, dude, fuck this. Yeah. I ain't coming back. Yeah. <laughs> so it, from a coaching perspective, yeah. if you can get all of your students to acknowledge the fact that they need to give and take. Yeah. Think of MMA, right? Yeah. If we're doing just jujitsu and you mount me, you can mount me and I can spend three or four minutes in your mount while you're trying to work submissions. Yep. That's totally normal. Yeah. But if we're doing MMA and I mount you and I just start punching you from the mount oh, and I keep oh, punching yeah. you from the mount for three yeah. minutes, I don't let you work out. I don't let you work and escape. I don't, I'm just going to block you from turning your back and punch you. Yeah. Block you. And I'm for three minutes, I'm just, by the end of it, you're going to be like, dude, fuck off. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not gaining yeah. anything from yeah, this. Yeah, you're not letting me work. Yes. You're not letting me work. So when you're in that situation, if you're, so, if you're only trying to win, it's going to ruin the training for your training partners. Yeah. So you have to, I tell my students, when, especially with the striking, try to win about 50% of the time. Yeah. If you're the most experienced person in the class, you're in control. Yep. And it's your job to work, and hit your stuff, work. but let them work. Work yeah. your submission defense. Let them get your arm. Can you yeah. get out? Yeah. Let them take your neck. Let them wrap one arm under yeah. the chin. Can you yeah. peel that second hand yeah. and Be defend? Be in an uncomfortable position, man. That's like if you can't let it, a blue belt take your arm yeah. and try to escape, if you can't escape from there, then yeah. you need to work your fucking arm bar escapes yeah. anyway. Yeah. So yeah. I try to stress to everybody, maximum level. Everybody wants to hit the flow state. Yeah. If we can do that, your students will keep coming back. Yeah. And that's how you'll sign them long term and they will see what it could eventually turn into one day. But if they just come in and they're getting smashed, like they're yeah. not going to want to come back. Like you were saying, like you want to find that happy medium or like for us was saying as well, you want to find that happy medium, you know, like me, like when I, when I always try to like, whenever I try to roll and find like, if it's a newer belt, you know, I try to put myself in a bad position, you know, or uh, actually I did this yesterday. I rolled with one of the white belts and, uh, I kept doing the Berenvalo. With Joey, right? The yeah. Girl? <laughs> just the same role. Same role. And because she kept turning. Yeah. So I just kept doing it again. I just wanted to, like, implement it in her head. Just like, so she can see. Like. She, exactly. That's why after class she came up. She's like, you kept doing that, that thing, that thing, you know? So I, you know, I told her about it. And I was like, you kept turning. You know, that's why I kept doing it, you know? Um, but, yeah, like, if, if I'm rolling with somebody that's new or, like, um, not at my level, I always like try to give and take because what's the point of it? I'm just, you know, I'm not going to sit here and try to take out on somebody new. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And flex I that just, ego. I just beat you, you know. Yeah. No, it just doesn't work like that. You yeah, know? especially when you're when you're coaching at a gym. Like exactly. When you're, when you're coaching, you exactly. just can't you can't have that shit. Yeah, you're up. just gonna kill kill the uh, business pretty much. I would say, you know, or or like the like, pretty much you're just gonna look like an asshole. Yeah. You know? And your your students can sniff that shit out, man. Oh yeah, man. And so you'll yeah. see you'll see a lot of that sort of the coaches that don't uh, that won't let their students work or they won't foster that sort of environment. And then you'll get the the reverse sometimes is where you'll get the coach that will stop training. Yeah. Because there's either a their students are getting experienced, new people are coming in, they don't want to lose, yeah. they don't want to get tapped out, so they kind of quit rolling or they'll only roll with certain people, yeah. only roll with like the lower belts and stuff. You, you, you'll see this one too, occasionally. Oh yeah. For sure. I see it because uh, you, you travel and go to gyms, other gyms, right? Yeah. When, when you travel and you go, what percentage of the places that you go to do the coaches always roll with you when you turn up? Is when? it often or is it rare? Like you go to a new gym and you see the coach, whoever it is. How often does the coach roll with you the first day? Not very often. Not very often. Not right? very I often. do it always. Yeah. Always. I don't yeah. care if you're a black belt, purple belt, blue belt. Yeah. I don't care if you're better than me. I don't care if you're wearing a blue belt and you're better yeah. than me. You're at my house. Man. Yeah. Like if you walk in, I'm rolling with you. Yeah. But I see this too all the time. Like if I go to another gym, the coaches won't roll with me. They'll put other people to roll. Yeah. Because I think they don't want it to be a competitive role. And listen, yeah. there's a lot of coaches that can beat me, and there's some coaches that I can beat, and you yeah. just don't know yeah. until you go. But if a high belt rolls up to my gym, they're getting to roll with me. If they're better than me, if I lose in front of my students, like, dude, I don't. Like, yeah. this is still where I this work. This is man. still, like, I'm still here. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not going to fucking die. Yeah. But I always see that. I go to other gyms, and then I'm like, dude, if a high-level person comes in the gym, I want to train with the coach. So, yeah. you know, there will be, like, a bunch of 10 blue belts, like maybe one purple belt and a bunch of white belts. Yeah. And then the coach will roll with all the white belts and then put me with the blue belts or something. And I'm yeah. like, dude, come on, man. Give me a roll. Like, I want to <laughs> train me with a little you. bit. <laughs> really rare that you yeah. actually go, and then the That's coaches true. will roll with you. Yeah. There is actually, uh, I've gone to schools where... Um, it's uh th it's not just that as well it's uh they would uh, try to send a higher belt mm. you know go twist them up or something oh yeah the, you know, the mat enforcer that. yeah man i don't mind that i think that's okay like if you get to roll with a high level student yeah as long as they're cool yeah i mean if again this this ego thing that comes out and they're just trying to be an asshole then yeah. that's a problem but yeah. if like the instructor wants to send me their highest level guy to roll with like that's yeah. cool man i don't got a problem with that yeah yeah as long as he's cool yeah but like she's cool if you're like like you were saying, you come to my house, my, my gym, you know, you, like, that's like, you don't see that very often where mm. a coach, you know, would go and roll, you know. I don't know if it's like an ego thing or if it's like they're worried or. I think it's usually they're worried about how they'll be seen looking in, yeah, during the role if their yeah, students are watching yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And uh, another thing that Faraz talks about that I really, really like a lot. Cause I, I try to train every day, man. Like I'm, I'm yeah. 30 now. I still got plenty of time to, to do this thing and I'm still trying to improve my skill set. And he talks a lot about, you should never redline your training. Like yeah. very rarely should you be going a hundred percent in your training. And yeah. you'll, you'll see this a lot with white belts and beginners is like every time they roll, they do specific training. They're going to go ape shit until they're yeah. fucking dead. And then they're going to yeah. be just susceptible yeah. to all these submissions and everything yeah. like that. I'm always trying to stay, between like 60 and 70%. Yeah. Occasionally I'll spike it to like 80 or 90 if I'm rolling with a high level student, I get yeah. stuck in a bad spot. Yeah. But like it's just not sustainable to train long term if you're going ape shit all the time. Not if you want to train six days a week, yeah. five days a week. Yeah, you won't have the energy. Yeah, I don't you, care you need, how big you are, mm -hmm. all that. It's, you're not going to have the energy to roll that much. You need to be relaxed. Going hard the whole time. Yeah. You know? 
What's I even you? You're injured, right? You have this little this I got wrist my injury. Little wrist injury. I broke that wrist before, but sort of injured. But again. you tr you trained yesterday, and it's one yeah. of those things like you chill out. You yeah. you put even if you're going like roughly one hit, you keep your injured yeah. spot out of bad position. Yeah. You let people work out. around you, and you yeah. play the game that you can play when you're injured. And yeah. it's like that too. Listen, yeah. if you're going ape shit, if you're doing hard wrestling or hard jujitsu, a hundred percent, maybe once a week, you can get in there and redline it like a hundred percent for. Yeah one or two really competitive rules that you have most of the time you need to be chilling out 60 70 percent if your techniques don't work when you're relaxed they're probably not going to work when you're going ape shit no. most of the time no no that's absolutely right though and that that's how you train right. long term that's how you train multiple times a week yeah. over a period of 10 years yeah because if you think you're just going to go ape shit for 10 years listen that that fucking it's that not, ship will it's sail not gonna take long, you're going to get hurt i've actually seen it like i've seen this uh when I started fighting, you know, and I started going to fights and watching, I got really like, I got hooked. I got hooked bad, and like. And you I, had like five amateur MMA fights. Five is it? amateur MMA and uh, two Muay Thai, and the rest is all grappling. Mm. I would say I would estimate about 200 plus. Mm. Um, but like I've always seen that where like new people would uh, would just start off right. Like I've I've seen guys compete or not compete but fight MMA. You know, back at home, every three weeks, two weeks, mm. go and take an MMA fight. And you don't you don't see them winning, you know? Yeah. So it's like, dude, you may want to take some time off. Yeah. Learn some, work your something, skill set. one or two, and then work your way up, you know? Don't make that mistake, you know? And you, you won't, I don't think you'll be doing it for long, man. It's well, too the, much on the head. Well, the other one that's quite common, I'm sure you've seen this. Everybody that's done jiu-jitsu for more than a few years has seen this. You ever seen, like, the white belt or the blue belt? that uh, falls in love with jiu-jitsu, gets addicted, goes fucking ape shit, starts getting all the fucking, all the Hayabusa shit, all yeah. of the really expensive geese, gets fully decked out, oh, yeah. gets obsessed with jiu-jitsu, yeah. then burns out in two or three years, halfway through oh, yeah. a blue belt, and then quits yeah. training. Yeah, you get, what's that? There's an, uh, a meme uh, about... Uh, once you get your blue belt or purple belt, you yeah. just won't show up after. Yeah. yeah. It's because they, they burn too bright, too hot, too fast. Yeah. And you'll get yeah. to see these people that get addicted to it. And then two or three years in, the grind is just killing them. Yeah. And then they'll leave. They'll take some time off and then they won't come back. No. And you'll see this a lot. People that were addicted. I mean, they'll get the fucking really expensive two, $300 geese, yeah. the special editions. They'll live the start fucking eating the acai and posting on yeah. Facebook yeah. in Portuguese and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you'll see this all the time, right? <laughs> yeah. And then two, three years later, they're burned out from the grind. Yeah. And it's because, same thing, they went so hard, so fast, yeah. that they didn't think about the long term. Listen, yeah. you people get married. You have kids. You yeah. have to go to school. Like, life will get yeah, in your life way. Life will get in the way, man. And if you can't chill yeah. in the training session, you're going to be burned out. You're going to be injured. And then five, six years when you're purple, you're high blue, you want to get your black, but you're burned out and life gets in the way. And yeah. then those people don't come back. No. But if you come and the training is good and it's you can go light sometimes. If yeah. you have a bad day, you can come in and just chill, yeah. let people work. Over 10 years, three, four times a week for their average yeah. hobbyist, yeah. that's sustainable. That is. Those people yeah. will keep training. For sure. So it's better to do... People are like, oh, should I come? I want to come twice a day. I want to do every competition. I want to. I'm just like, relax. Yeah, calm down. Let's try to get three or four times a weekend consistently. Yeah. Yeah. Come in, build up. If you get burned out, take a little time off. Yeah. Maybe mix in some striking, yeah. something else, just to keep it fresh. Injuries as well, man. You get injured, man. Take time off. You know, because it's your body, man. That's 
that's your money making pretty much mm. you know if you want to keep going you want to take time you want to rest you want all that you know like i'm i hurt my wrist you know i stopped training for a week and a half actually traveling as well and like but even though like even a week and a half i just started getting the itch just yeah. not, like i was saying like, yesterday i was like man i really just want to get back and you're just getting fomo watching everybody in oh, there oh man <laughs> yeah you get in the gym and you see all these guys training and i'm just like oh fuck that's what i want to do right now man you know but you did the right thing right when yeah. you, you hurt your wrist you're injured yeah. so you went in and except for like you had one tough roll with a purple belt or whatever yeah, but yeah. beyond that you relax you chill you have i mean i hurt my shoulder like three weeks ago i was, I was wrestling just wrestling yeah. we were just doing takedowns and shit yep. and you can always get injured if you're wrestling throwing yeah, weight around man. like that yeah. tweak my shoulder but i'm gonna keep training so from now on i just play guard i'm playing on my back i train yeah. around i'm not going to do hard wrestling anymore if we go on the feet i'm going to play like nice and light and then i'm going to get in a position where i'm not going to hurt my shoulder yeah like yeah. i just i train around that i work different positions that yeah. aren't going to hurt me so much and yeah. then i can keep training the question is are you hurt or are you injured me no i'm just saying in general oh. right if you're hurt yep certain thing your wrist my shoulder you can kind of train or if you're yeah. injured you got to stay home yeah, like if you're yeah, injured and there's a real problem, you can't train anymore. But yeah. if you just get a little banged up, you get a little hurt in a couple of days, ice it up, yeah. probably still train around it. I've seen guys with like fucked up ACL. Yeah, that's you know, injuries. And you still see them come in the gym and all that. Like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, that's you're not. You're supposed to rehab this. That's not. Rehab if it's a it, knee you know? or a neck or back. Yeah, so that's serious shit, man. Yeah. That's serious. I've had my brother, both of his knees from soccer, not 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 any martial arts related. But, like, you know, and he still, like, goes back and do soccer and all that. And I was just like, dude, you're nuts. Take some, take some time off. You that know? is a year, probably. Oh, like, man. an ACL is rough. Yeah, and he was, like, sitting on the bath for a while and just having the feet up like that, elevated and all that. Mm. I'm like, dude, you're fucking nuts. You yeah, I tore a, in my pro debut, my first pro MMA fight, I tore my uh, meniscus in my left knee. Oh, shit. Like, 10 seconds into the first round. Oh, man. <laughs> it was so fucking brutal, right? Fuck. So I was, uh, at the time, I was living in St. Lucia, which is like a Caribbean island. Yep. But I was training out of the Adrenaline Training Center in London, Ontario, in Canada. And so, uh, but I lived there, and I was, like, boxing with the St. Lucia boxing team, the national team in St. Lucia. So I was doing my striking there. When I took this fight, which took place in Trinidad, I flew back to Canada for, like, six weeks to do a training camp there. Yep. And uh, so, you know, I'm spending all this money. I flew back to Canada, and then I flew to Trinidad to do this fight. And then uh, literally in the first 10 seconds of the fight, I'm fighting this fucking huge Jamaican dude. You can find him on my Facebook. I mean, this guy is like, I'm a small lightweight. This is when I was fighting. I fight featherweight now. Yep. But I was lightweight then. I mean, this fucking dude is like towering over me. <laughs> huge ass black Jamaican dude, right? <laughs> so first pro MMA fight. And then he comes out. He throws like a low kick in the first like five seconds. Just kind of catches me with a low kick or whatever. Not a big oh, deal. Man. Then a couple seconds later, he throws another low kick. I try to jump back to oh, avoid the low kick the and he hit me on the side of the leg while ah. I was jumping back and it twisted my body and then I landed sideways on my foot and it just tore my meniscus right away and then oh. but it happened so fast like five seconds later he tried to throw another leg kick yeah. and I caught the leg kick and took him down and then so I mean that whole thing took place in like 10 or 15 seconds yeah, yeah. and then I spent the whole rest of the round just ground and pound on top doing a lot yeah, of damage trying to avoid it I mean, I didn't yeah. even know what happened. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, for like four and a half minutes, man. I mean, I'm dominating the yeah. fight. I took him down on top, throwing elbows, throwing punches, dominated the fight. And then I'm on top in the closed guard. 
And then uh, right after the end of the first round, you know, we get up to go back to our corner. I try to stand up because I'm on my knees oh, in the top position. And my leg had no stability on it. As soon as I stood up, I started limping. And I was like, fuck. Oh, <laughs> and man. I had no idea what That's was going on. I didn't man. even know until I tried to stand because I was just on my knees. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't feel a pop when he kicked me or anything because yeah. it just happened so fast. It's the adrenaline too, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're, adrenaline. you're pumped up, you know? And then I go back to the corner and I'm having trouble walking. Yeah. Like, I don't feel pain, but it's so unstable. It's like every time I would walk, my knee would just fucking shake. Oh, I bet. So man. it lacked complete stability. And then so it's in between the first and the second round. The doctor's checking me out. I have a hard time standing on we- one leg. And I'm like, no, nah, dude, I'm not going to go they out there. It? Yeah, called oh, it man. in between the rounds, doctor stoppage. Because I'm not, I'm not going to go out with this dude on one leg. It happens, though. Like, I'm just, it happens. Yeah, I'll take that L. I'm not going to yeah. go get fucking yeah. brain damage yeah. by trying to fight a dude on one leg in, in my pro debut. Yeah. But it's is one of those is things. it actually an L? I don't think it would consider being an L. Uh, well, know? technically. Yeah, but... I mean, he threw a kick, and it landed, and it tore something in my knee, and then that was it. Yeah, so yeah. It's fine. Like, I'm not butthurt about it or yeah, anything like yeah, that. Yeah. I was a little upset at first, but you know how it is. Like yeah. You, you just deal with it. It's one of those things, and then, happens. you know, <laughs> fought again because I wanted to get wanted to get on the winning side and see yeah. how things would look, but it's one of those things that can happen. It happens yeah. in a fight. You just have to decide. For sure, man. For is sure. it worth it, right? The risk that you're uh, yeah. going to go through when you're in there, like... Is it worth continuing? Yeah. And for that one, uh, I couldn't stand on the leg at all. And I was like, fuck. Yeah. took me. I had to go and get uh, an MRI done after that. And then I was on crutches for like two months. And then yeah. after that, for even six months, it was unstable. And now it still clicks every time oh, I man. curl my heel to my butt. My, my meniscus will click over. Man. Did pop. you train at, during that time or no? No, I took, I took like three, four months off oh, after that. Okay. And then like. Three. Yeah, you see, that's smart. Yeah. That's smart because you want to take that carried away, ca- carried, taken care of first, mm. and then you go back to doing what you're trying to do, you know? Yeah, and I never had surgery on it, and now it's pretty good. It still clicks and shit, but, oh, man. <laughs> but it's still it's pretty good. I don't notice it anymore. Yeah, yeah. And then right after that was when I moved to Singapore, shortly after that. Yeah, it's awesome in here, man. And oh, yeah, I want to ask you, what are your yeah. thoughts on Singapore? So you've never been here before. You've only been here for like two days. Two days, man. I haven't seen much, but from what I've seen, uh, it's just amazing, man. You know, people are sweet, nice, genuine. Um, the uh, the atmosphere is amazing. It's hot. It's clean. It's clean. Um, um, the rules are like, I would say, one of the best rules in the world, I would yeah, say. A bit strict here, but, everybody, strict, but, but like everybody's willing to play by the rules yeah. for the sake of the greater, yeah, the yeah. greater good, you know? Yeah, it's just amazing, though, you know? Um, but, yeah, you guys are amazing here as well, you oh, know? thanks, dude. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <Appreciate> <laughs> that. We'll take you out. We haven't. He hasn't seen uh, Marina Bay or he hasn't seen downtown yeah, area tonight yet. Tonight's going to happen. We're going to so make it happen. <laughs> yeah, after, after training tonight, we'll take you out and show you what's up. And you can actually awesome. see the proper part. We're just stuck back here at Horse City. Turf City, way back behind where all the horses are and shit. So you're seeing like a really weird part. This is not what most of Singapore looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people have been telling me how it is outside of here. You know, like you were saying earlier, you haven't seen shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only two days, man. You're just you're just trying to figure out where to get your kopi and yeah. where to get all that shit. Uh, I got lost yesterday. Walked about six miles. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like half of Singapore. If you yeah, yeah, six man. miles is half yeah. of the entire country. I literally kept walking straight, and I asked another person. They were like, "Go oh, direct me on the other side." Just kept making a circle. Pretty quickly, you understand though. Oh it's yeah, only, yeah. I mean, the whole fucking island. How long? We're going. Do you know how? What's the size of Singapore end to end? Do you know the length? Is it 60 kilometers? 100? I don't... Okay, sure. An hour, an hour, you could spend the whole 
country. Yeah, an hour you, you can drive. drive. Yeah, you can drive all the way across yeah, Singapore yeah. in an hour. Yeah, that's like, like 45 Hu- minutes. Hawaii, I guess. Hawaii is like. I think it's even smaller. Hawaii? No, Singapore. Really? Than Hawaii. Oh, fuck it. In total, for sure. Oh, shit. The, end to end. Oh, wow. 51, 31 miles end to end. Wow. There's, wow. There's 7 million people in this motherfucker, and it's 30 miles long. Just to give you an idea what of the population the density. Yeah, dude. Man. So it's 27 by 34. Is that about right? Uh. 31 by 17 miles for the, the, the Americans. So you could literally go for a run in here. Dude, yeah. You could run halfway <laughs> run, run whole Singapore. Yeah, and there's, <laughs> and there's 7 million people here. Yeah, this yeah. Is why I, this is why when I had the idea of doing the podcast, I actually had the idea a few years ago because yep. I, I did a smaller one, but it was only the audio. Uh, and then last year when I moved to Malaysia, I thought about starting up this like Asia-based MMA podcast, what yep. we're doing now. Yep. And, uh, but I knew once I moved back to Singapore like six months ago that this is the perfect place to do it because, one, the martial arts community here is thriving. Yep. Every person that I would ever want to interview on the podcast is like – maximum 40 minutes away yeah so there's seven million people here there's tons of fighters tons of black belts tons of people that are interested like singapore is one of the coolest countries in the world and every one of the seven million people are available to you in like 45 minutes yeah so i just knew that like and singapore has its own little cultural bubble yep so word gets around quickly right so i kind of knew that if i started this podcast within six months or a year most of the uh, jiu-jitsu and MMA community would at least have seen something of it. Yeah, yeah. So I would probably end up being like that dude with a podcast or that coach with a podcast really quickly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the community is so small that I know a bunch of the coaches and shit already. So I yeah. figure once we get a couple of them done, get the production value up and then start inviting people that they'd be quite keen to do it. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always about working way up, man. Yeah. You know? so. Just we're, we're trying to, for the listeners, we're trying to increase the quality of this. Yeah. Last episode, we're going first one in 4K. Yeah. So yeah. we're working our way up, dude. We started out on episode one with a really wide angle shot. Yeah. For those of you that watched it, and if you're listening, go check out the YouTube because the yeah. production quality is increasing. Man, every day, one percent better. You know. <laughs> you know what's weird though is like, do you ever you ever watch yourself roll, like videotape yourself rolling or anything like that? Uh. Or competitions, like watch yourself in competition. Comp- yeah. You see for the sure, video of yeah. yourself. Or like sparring, like uh, I used to like record just to see what. What kind of mistake? Because you always learn from watching yourself. Yeah. You know, it's like holy shit! I didn't know I'm doing this wrong. You know, I'm do. I don't know if, you know, I'm doing this right. You know, so it's like, you're always learning. You're constantly learning from watching yourself. But yeah, like um, competition or like uh, like I used to record like some of my sparrings or whatever. You know. So it's you can learn when you watch yourself in a different yeah. way than you can when you're actually in it, right? Of course. So yeah. it's, it's one of the weird things about this podcast, right? Because this is only episode four of this. Yep. And I'm trying to make it high quality, right? I want to have put on a put out a good product. Yep. And it's one of those things where like I've had to go back and watch and listen to some of them. Yeah. And when you listen to yourself talk, you just sound like <laughs> a fucking asshole, right? Like it's one of those things like you ever just listen to yourself, try and talk and try to make a point. Yeah. As I'm going back and I'm watching yeah. these things, I'm like, God, I'm a fucking asshole. I say stupid shit sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I'm like <laughs> listening to myself say some of this stuff, and it's like sometimes I find myself annoying. Yeah. And I'm like, God, if I find myself annoying, I'm sure people listening to this shit are finding it annoying. Yeah. So I'm trying to – but it's interesting, right, because I've yeah. only done – this is my fourth one, yeah. and I did like seven or eight of the old one. Yep. So I'm like less than 20 podcasts deep. 
So there's no question I'm going to get better over time if I put energy into it. Yeah. But it's one of those things where, like, when you watch yourself do jujitsu, yeah. you can take a different sort of critical lens yep. when you're seeing yourself and hearing yourself talk. Yeah. And then I've heard myself say some shit on this <laughs> fucking thing where I'm like, okay. Or you meet somebody uh, and you're trying to sound professional yeah. and you say something. And like later on in the day or the next day or you're about to sleep and you oh, were like God. with the Chris Tang podcast, yeah, I said some cringy shit, bro. Oh, I had to go back and listen to that. And I'm like, fuck, man, I got a lot. <laughs> I got a lot to learn when it comes to doing yeah, this thing. He's just like, man, did I really say that? Yeah, man, shit. Yeah, <laughs> That's it's, embarrassing. Just, it's one of those things. I want to increase the quality. So yeah. I kind of have to do it. And I'm just like, OK, so I'm trying to sort of sculpt. Yeah how I'm perceived when I do these things, right? Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's like that thing where you watch yourself roll. Is it, it makes you a little uncomfortable. You see mistakes that you make, yep. but you kind of have to put the product out anyway, yeah. even though maybe you wish you'd said something differently or phrased yeah. something differently. It is what it is, though. Not made a stupid fucking joke <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, for so, sure, though. So we're still in the infancy stages of this thing, but it's pretty weird listening to yourself talk bad. Like, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, it's like, damn, is this how it really sounds? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, you, you don't express your ideas as clearly as you would have liked. True, and true. That's even like martial true. arts, right? You're trying to do a move and you're like, why the fuck is this not working? Yeah. Like someone's shutting it down or something. When you're in it, very yeah. difficult to actually see what's happening. But then as soon as you see a video of yourself, you're like, oh, ah, he was pinning my arm down or he yeah. was doing whatever it was, right? This is where I made this mistake. Yeah. This is what I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, man. But with podcasts, it's a lot more like foot in your mouth. <laughs> right? Like yeah, man. I'm, I'm, for me, it's like sometimes it's... Uh, like uh, I would say, difficult to talk. You know, it's hard to like, like completely express, because I I don't know like if um, I don't want to like be too offensive. Cause I'm I usually like I'm straightforward, man. Like if I want to say something, I say it. So a lot of times I would just keep my mouth shut. Mm. It's better just to keep my mouth shut. So, um, but yeah, I get I I know exactly how you feel, man. <laughs> I well, know these, exactly. This is one of those formats, right? Like if you're doing a podcast where you know, you can't be just black and white, fucking boring, no, like have no opinion no, on things. You, you have to kind of put yourself out there a little oh bit yeah. for the better or the worse. You yeah. have to be willing to make a joke and say something stupid and yeah. fuck up. But yeah. then <laughs> you have to be willing to deal with the consequences hey, of saying that, something stupid that's or That's what offensive. makes us human, man. Yeah, exactly. That's what makes us a human, you know? But it, yeah, but it's trying <laughs> to select, like, is this – I mean, I don't want to be controversial necessarily. Yeah. But if you don't have an interesting take on things, if you don't have a perspective that other people haven't thought about, if it's just if you're totally PC, yeah, then like just who's going to care? Because that's not how people are. Yeah. Right? yeah. So I'm trying to bridge that gap. And, you know, Singapore is one of those places where you can get in trouble for running your mouth a little too much. Yeah. So, I mean, not really. Okay. As long as you're not fucking crazy. You scare me, bro. No, no, no. <laughs> on the basic, the basic <laughs> level like this, there's nothing to, uh, there's nothing to worry no, about. No, no, right? no. But it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, you just don't want to say anything too fucking crazy or weird. Yeah, yeah, of course. you got to always like. But you do got to ride that line of still being interesting and having yeah. a, a nuanced opinion. And yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, Is this the first time you've done a recording oh yeah. or anything like this? Oh, yeah, first time. Pretty weird, right? Pretty weird, man. <laughs> I feel like I'm sitting with the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, well <laughs> Jamie. We're going to build our way up. I know. <laughs> See, Wugong, you just did the first Joe Rogan thing, man. You just looked something up for me. <laughs> so that's, we need to get you a laptop, and I can start telling you to look shit up, bro. Oh, yeah. So that way I'm not just oh sitting yeah. here talking shit. <laughs> one, of, one of my business partners was like, and on behalf of all of Singapore, I apologize for my Singapore political talk. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> my business partner is a Singaporean, right? And yep. in the first podcast, we were talking about uh, Lee Kuan Yew. Lee Kuan Yew is like the George Washington of Singapore. 
Oh, okay. He's like okay. the first prime minister. Uh, he's like uh, was the head of Singapore when it declared its independence from Malaysia. And then basically Singapore is its modern form in the last 50 years. I mean, it's just hugely developed from like a small, relatively small yeah. sort of uh, shipping area yeah. into like the mega city city state that you see now. Yeah. That yeah. whole transformation took place in like 50 years yeah, to yeah. the modern level. So it happened yeah. fucking quick. Dubai right? is like that too. Yeah, Dubai's Dubai is like that too. Yeah. And they have uh, the leader here is called Lee Kuan Yew and he's like the George Washington, right? Yeah. Everybody loves him. He's sort of the first, he was the first prime minister, first prime minister, and uh, I started, but you know, I'm not Singaporean. I don't know all the details. I kind of yeah. just know what I've heard. And then my business partner was like, yeah, podcast was going great. Uh, but then I turned it off when you started talking about <laughs> Lee Kuan Yew. And I'm like, see, <laughs> this is a good note. All you Singaporeans, I'm sorry, man. I'm trying here. <laughs> and then I realized maybe I should get an expert on Lee Kuan Yew on the podcast. Yeah. Just so I can educate myself. <laughs> so talking about fucking Singaporean politics. I don't know shit. <laughs> we can talk about Donald Trump, but I don't know shit hey, about hey, we just Singapore vibing politics. We just, we just vibing. We just, you know. Maybe we should talk about what we know, martial arts, and yeah. <laughs> read, the, read the politics to the fucking Singaporeans. <laughs> All right, guys. I think we're going to take a little break here because I got to pee, and yeah. then uh, we'll be back. So, everybody, thank you for listening. Be right back. Thank you. Hello, everybody. We're back to the Stronghold Podcast. I'm here with Ali. Ali, by the way, give us, give us your details, man. What's your name? Where are you from? Give everybody a little background on you, man. My name is Ali. My last name is a little complicated, but it's Abdul Razak. Um, I'm originally in, from Iraq. I was born in Iraq. Um, we left uh, during the war um, in 2005, in 05, um, after just went through some pretty fucked up shit. Yeah. And uh, moved to Syria, lived for three years, and we refugeed to the United States. So, I, I mean, actually, you must live a really interesting childhood in some sense because you were in iraq when that happened and then you kind of came to the u.s during the iraq war yeah did you feel that like did you feel any sort of pressure oh, yeah, culturally man. being a iraqi living in the u.s while the iraqi oh, war was going man. on man uh i hate to say it but it's always going to be there you know but i get it you know every country that you're going to visit you're always going to have you know somebody who's you know you're in my home you know did you feel that shit though like did could you did you get that vibe yeah, from people, or was sure. it? I, I could sense way? it. What I could sense you, it. You got any any stories or anything? I would say a lot of times uh, people would actually just smile in your face, mm. but really, behind you, God knows whatever fuck it is. Mm. But I don't ever let that in my head. Like I don't ever worry about it, because what's what the fuck is the point? You know, yeah. I'm not gonna let whoever in my head just because you know. Like, you think of me or you've heard of what my people, yeah. you know, did or w done or whatever. I you mean, know? you went through some of the tough parts, too. You were in Iraq during 2005. Then you went to Syria, yep. which is just a failed state at this point. Yeah. And well, then you immigrated to the U.S. during the Iraq war. Yep. Yeah. We left just before Syria hit. Yeah. Yeah. So you avoided the worst part. The worst part of Syria. Yeah, but we had the worst part in Iraq. You know, it's interesting because uh, I'm taking my wife to the U.S. for the first time this week. Yeah. We leave on Thursday. So yep. this podcast is going to be released a week late yep. uh, while I'm there so we can keep keep going. And I'm trying to sort of explain what American racism is yep. to my wife. Yeah. 
Because this is the thing, right? In a modern-day context, like, there's not a lot of racists in America in the classic sense, yes. right? Like, there's no one that's like, oh, you're black, fuck you. You're the... It's not direct. No, like no, that. no, no. It's more of like an indirect sort of racism. Like, yes. Charmaine, my wife is Chinese. Yep. And she's like, oh, are they going to say shit? Are they gonna? I'm like, no, no one's going to be directly racist yeah, to no, you. Yeah, no, no. But what they will do is everybody's going to notice that you're Asian. Yeah, you get, you'll get the looks. You'll yeah, get the, so you get the looks. You'll get the vibes. It's, yeah. and, cause, and again, it's not going to be rude, but West no. Virginia, dude, it's fucking all white people. That's, that's oh, just, I bet, that's man. all it is, dude. <laughs> it's bet. just white people every, every fucking where you look, dude. There's some Angmo. I just taught you this word. Angmo. That's all they have. <laughs> so, like, if you're the Asian person, like, yep. nobody's going to be racist to you because you're Asian. But yep. everybody is going to notice you because you're not white. Yeah. So yeah, at yeah. the very least, like yeah. people are just going to be aware of your presence. Yeah. So yeah. I told her, I was like, no, no one's going to like yeah. be upset at you or yeah. judge you for that. But it's you, just that you stand out. Yeah, so in that sense you'll alone, definitely stand out. you're going to draw some eyes. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. I've actually, I'll be honest, I've had people come and direct say shit. Really? Yeah. Maybe like their alcohol is. Well, did you grow up speaking English? Them? Because your English, no. your English is American <laughs> standard. Like if you, if I just met you and talked to you, I would think that you had immigrant parents, but you were raised in America, based on your accent alone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I didn't speak English when I came. Really? To the United States. No. Well, your accent is really all, clear. All for I knew was banana, um, <laughs> apple, and fuck you. <laughs> yes, the classics, man. You got the classics. Yeah, man. I, I used to watch all the movies, and all I know is that fuck you and banana. <laughs> and banana, man. I liked bananas when I was young. So that's important. Important <laughs> learn, uh, word to learn early. Yeah. But yeah, man, I, I definitely think you must have experienced some shit that's a, a little bit. Uh, a little bit different than the the typical thing, but man, when I just speak to you and talk to you, I would just guess that you grew up in the U.S. Yeah. and had like maybe some Middle Eastern parents or something like that. But your accent's really clean. You speak English perfectly. Thanks, man. Thanks. I mean, it took me actually three months to be able to communicate, but not uh, fluent. You know, I just get a sentence, not a complete sentence, but I know w w like. I'm trying to get to where somewhere or need something or want to say something. Did you and experience any like any like fucked up shit when you were young just before you came over here? Uh, I mean, or was most <laughs> of the fucked up shit you experienced actually when you were in the US? Was it was it pretty good for the most part when you immigrated or like uh in the just, states yeah, or either way. I mean, whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you'll always encounter, you know, somebody's probably having a bad day or or you know, raised in a you know, a family that's uh you know, uh, taught differently, I would say. But um, other than that, I never let it in my head, you know. Because actually, like, in Iraq, I've noticed, um, back then there's Palestinians. They used to, like, come to Iraq or e Egyptians. And you'll have some Iraqis who are um, sort of racist against that. So going to a different country, going to Syria, I had to witness that. Being Iraqi in Syria. So you were on the other side. You were feeling a bit of racism from the Syrians as an Iraqi? Y yes. Mm. And then, not racist, but like more Xenophobic, of Xenophobic, just kind of yeah, like... Yeah, you know, you're in my country, but yeah. you know. But there is some... I met some of the sweetest people, man. Even the United States, you know. On the end of the day, like we're all humans, you know. You'll, you'll always encounter those good, and you'll always encounter the bad. You know, no matter where you go and yeah, what part of the world. A lot of the racism, you know, it's not even a right word. Like that word has just been co-opted, right? Like yes. Racism is yeah. not the right word for yeah. a lot of what you see. I'll give you an example, right? Uh, uh, me and Charmaine went to China like about three years ago. 
Oh. We, were, we were in uh, Shanghai, and we went to another city, yep. and we were there to teach some martial arts seminars. Yep. So um, a person that I used to work for had a bunch of Taekwondo schools and stuff, yep. and they were thinking about maybe opening up a gym there. So yep. we went there to basically teach some Taekwondo instructors a little bit of jiu-jitsu just to see if they wanted to implement a program. So yep. we were just going out there just to see, put just some exploring. business through, yeah, explore yeah. shit. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so my wife goes, and I go with her, and it was one of those things where nobody was like directly racist to me in that sense, but it was the same thing that I'm trying to tell Charmaine. Everybody was just aware of my presence. Oh, yeah. So like I'm walking around Shanghai oh, yeah. holding hands with my girlfriend yeah. at the time, yeah. and then uh, everybody's just fucking breaking yeah, their you'll neck get to, the looks, man. to look at this white dude yeah. who came to the country yeah. and took one of their women <laughs> yes. and fucking is running away. It felt like that, right? Yeah. I mean, dude, yeah. we're walking down the street, and ev- people are snapping their necks as they <laughs> drive by to take a look at me. And like you can feel it from yeah. everywhere. It was just oh, yeah, eyes man. on me yeah. all the time. And it's sort of make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Like you you say it's not uncomfortable, but man, it gets to you. It was just it like can't high get level scrutiny. Oh yeah. And you know, I just <laughs> felt like and I'm that stereotypical fucking white dude who's got like a young Asian girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> so yeah. I just felt like a piece of shit the whole time too, because I'm just <laughs> oh, like man. I'm living up to the stereotype perfectly, dude. Move yeah. to Asia fucking get a girl that's younger than you and then go to China and then they're just like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. Another fucking white dude coming yeah, here yeah. taking our women and running away. Yeah, yeah. I just, just could, I could feel just that stare and it was the first time in my life where I was like, oh, I, I kind of get it. Yeah. Because like nobody was malicious to me. No. I mean, you know, in China they're a bit fucking rude and shit. Yeah. We were standing at a, I, I did get angry one time. We were, sta- <laughs> we were standing in front of one of the ticket stands for the subway. Yeah. And you know, you line up and then you get your, your Metro card or your, uh, your MRT card or whatever, and you get on the train. And I'm standing in line. There's like one person in front of me. And I mean, I'm as close to the ticketing stand as you are to me. Like, I mean, there's maybe just a a meter or two between me and the ticket booth. And fucking some dude just get as soon as the guy in front of me leaves, he just cuts right in front of me. And I mean, I'm chest to back with this dude. And there's people behind me. There's no fucking way he didn't know that I was standing in line. Right? He was just an asshole. And he's like, (laughs) let me see what this dude does. And I look back to my wife. My fucking eyes are big. And I'm just... Because he's just being... There's no way. There's no way it was an accident. He's just being a dick. Right? I mean, I'm standing... He had to, like, squeeze in there. And I look at her, and my eyes are big. And I'm just like... Because <sighs> I just can't handle that rudeness no, just, no. just That's, like that. It don't right? matter what country you're in, man. Yeah, it's just, just not fucking, And right. I knew this guy was just playing with me. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, just breathe. Yeah. Just just let and it you pass. You have your neck there, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> turn your back to me, dude. What are you doing? Don't be rude to me and then turn your back to me so I'll get you. Let me show you what not to do in jujitsu. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give and, the bag. <laughs> and, uh, well, that was one of the things that I learned about being in China was just the space. The, yeah. the level of spatial awareness is just so different. I mean... We have personal space in America, right? It's yeah. a big country. The population yeah. density is quite low. Yeah. Like, if we're talking and we're around each other, unless we're in, like, a jam train, like, we have room to move. Yeah. But in China, dude, those trains and everything was fucking brutal. Everybody's up your ass. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's just, like, elbow to elbow. Yeah. Oh. People were fighting on the train because, like, they were getting in there. And just the whole thing fell. Uh, it's worse than New York? Yeah. Oh, way, way oh, worse man. than New York, dude. Way New worse. York, I mean, the New population York? density in Shanghai is insane. New York in the morning. Have you been on a subway in oh, the morning, yeah. early oh, yeah. morning? Oh, my God. But it still man. ain't got nothing on China, dude. Oh, really? And also the, the, the I, etiquette. Yeah. The etiquette and the manners in China are, are not as refined as they are in the U.S. People are more rude. 
just just straight up you can China? just see it oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah that's what i mean like just population i think yeah if, we, if it's a small right? town and yeah. i i'm rude to you the, the word gets around oh right? yeah everybody knows oh, everybody sure. like oh, but sure. in china dude you're just a fucking number like, yeah there's yeah, that's there's true, thousands yeah. of people coming and going and so the level of the sort of human connection that you have is diminished more and more by the amount of people like around you yeah and yeah, it was yeah. one of those things where you could just feel that shit when you were there that's why i like singapore because Everybody here is polite. Yep. Everybody here is like nice and it's populated, but yep. not so populated that people are like a dick to you or anything like that. You yeah, just kind of yeah. get the best of both worlds. Yep. You get the city life, but at the same time, like there's space to move around and it's not so jammed and people are nice. And yeah. Yeah. That's what I've noticed, man. Everybody's just, you know, smiley faces, you know, you know not rude, you know, just, you know, just being nice and genuine, like I said, you know, but, um, but yeah, man, like like I was saying earlier about the like uh, traveling and like no matter where you go, you're always going to have somebody who grew some grew up in a I don't know, in a way the family taught him or whatever of they have an idea of these people. And honestly, in the United States, I've changed people. I want to say I've changed people's mind, but you want to touch people's heart. Mm. You know, you want to be like, no, we're not like that, man. We're not all like that. You know, we're not all what the media uh, uh, shows, you know, we're 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 humans, too, you know. Well, it's yeah. well, it's one of those weird things, right? Because I grew up in a Trump state. I mean, I'm from West Virginia. Oh, that shit's man. red, dude. Like <laughs> West Virginia is conservative. And yeah. then I remember. And again, it's one of those things where if you don't if you're not exposed to people from different cultures, different races, like you tend to not really know what they're really like. Yeah. And that sort of environment is what can breed xenophobia or racism or whatever the case. Yeah. And then I remember when I started traveling, I mean, I never met a Muslim. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like in my high school, there was like one or two black families. Yep. There was like one Japanese family. Yep. Everybody else is white. Yep. So in my high school, which I think had about 400 uh, graduating m my senior year. Yeah. Uh, there was like literally three or four families that were anything other than white. So I wasn't exposed to that. And I grew up in a conservative state and you sort of hear this rhetoric and I grew up during the war in Iraq, right? Yeah. I'm, like, I'm in high school and yeah. shit while that's yeah. going on. So it's one of those things that like, you know, I was never racist or xenophobic or never judged anybody for gay or religion or race or whatever the fuck, right? I just yeah, didn't yeah. care. But until you meet those people overseas, you don't really know what they're like. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, Muslims get a bad rap because ever since, I mean, I lived in Malaysia. We were just yeah. talking about this. Yeah. Malaysia's a Muslim, uh, yeah, Muslim country, country. Yeah. right? And a lot of countries in Asia, Indonesia also. Yeah. And, you know, there's tons of Indians here and Buddhists and, you know, uh, you get the Hindus and you get a whole cloth of different different of everything and when yeah. you meet but particularly the muslims man they are some of the most warm and friendly i mean dude if you if you hang out with the muslim like they're going to take you to their family they're going to give you tea yeah. they're going to be yeah. polite they're going to invite you to all the shit they're going to take you to these special places and like they hook you up yeah. they are yeah. just a very like once you're in that community they are tight they're sure, very man. tight they're introducing yeah. you to the family and the cousins and the aunties and yeah. like everything else and as an American, I did not, you know, you just yeah. get what you're exposed to in that, that yeah. local area. True, true, true. Like, um, have you, like, ever witnessed anything happen in front of you before? Like, in terms of, like, violence like that? No, like, you know, just so somebody being rude to somebody, a foreigner, you know, or something like that. Not you really, know? man. I haven't seen like it. Like, before you traveled, you know, have you ever witnessed anything, like, uh, 
No, not really, no. to be honest. No. I mean, this is the thing. Like, America gets yeah. bad rap because it's, it's quite polarized and shit. Yeah. But I think that's mostly, like, in the digital space. Like, face-to-face, yeah. -face, if two people meet and they're yeah. in the U.S., like, if, even if they're different races, different religions, like, nobody, yeah. in my experience, has ever cared or said anything about it. Yep. The only racist shit I ever saw was, like, from my great-grandmother. Because <laughs> 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 she was, uh, this is my, I was adopted at, yep. when I was, uh, like, a teenager. And yep. so my adopted family... I would go in the summers and stay with my adopted family, like grandma, right? Yep. And uh, she was 85 at the time. This would have been in the <laughs> mid-2000s to late-2000s. Yep. And <laughs> this is a fucking true story, dude. She would watch, you, might, you know Chuck Norris, right? Yep. And you, yep. you know Walker, Texas Ranger? The old TV show that Chuck Norris did like that made him, after the Bruce Lee movies, he had like a TV show where he played a, like a cop from Texas and it was called Walker, Texas Ranger. Okay. Right. And it's Chuck Norris and he's got this black dude that is like his deputy or his assistant in the thing. Okay. Okay. And dude, she and my great grandmother, 85 at the time, born in like 1910 or some shit. Oh, man. I mean, dude, 1920, whatever, <laughs> yeah. was alive during World War II, everything. Yep. Right. And she would, when Walker, Texas Ranger would come on the TV, she'd be like that inward. Oh. And she would just call him that. Oh, man. So he was the N-word. Oh, no matter man. what. No matter what. Yeah. Now, when she said it, it wasn't like... Big of a deal. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't like she was being directly racist. Yeah. That was just the word that people used, used when she yeah. was young. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, you know, uh, I think a good... Not good. It's not exactly <laughs> exactly accurate. But I was talking to, to Ali earlier about the use of the term Ogmo in Ogmo, Singapore. Yeah. And yeah. Ogmo is like redhead. Yeah. But it's it's the term that... It's sort of like the slang that they use for white people in Singapore. Yeah. So if you're white, and you might be white, even yeah. though you're not fucking white. Or right? hold on. What did you say? Banana earlier? Banana. Oh, yeah. Wugong's a fucking banana. Yellow on the outside. White, white on, on the inside, inside. baby. <laughs> <laughs> so you got Ongmo's. You got bananas. And if you ask a Singaporean, they'll probably tell you that Ongmo is not pejorative. It's not yeah. derogatory. It's just yeah. a term that they use. Yeah. But what it does is it generalizes every white person into this one group. So in a certain sense... It is a pejorative, right? Like, yeah. I'm not offended by it when people call me that, but it's not like you you use someone's name. Yeah. It's personal, right? Like, you yeah. have a fucking name. I'm not going to call you Ongmo or whatever the hell. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was like that. She would use that word because that's the word she used. used yeah, and it did, she didn't use it as a pejorative. That was just the fucking word, the word. she grew up with. Yeah, yeah, but then, yeah. of course, you can't say that shit, right? No, no. Of course you can't no. call people that nowadays. Yeah. But you have in that hick-ass West Virginia culture of people that grew up in the fucking 20s. Yeah. Like, good luck telling 85-year-old great-grandma that not, to, not that. to use that word because yeah, it's racist. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. like, no, it's not racist. That's just yeah. what they're called. Yeah. And we're like, no, grandma. That is not. <laughs> <laughs> you can, no. That word has changed. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you grew up that way. So it's like, you know, it's like. Is there, a, is there an Iraqi word for white people, Western people? Uh. No, just Amriki. Uh, that's it. There's Amriki, no, that's it. There's no like pejorative word for for not white that people. that I know of. No. God damn it, Wugong. We're talking about race again. Yeah. We're not supposed we, to do we this. We have. I had to cut some shit out of one of another podcast because we were getting fucking racist, <laughs> <laughs> and now we're doing it again. I'm trying to be on the even line here, people. I'm sorry I, if I offended honestly, you. Honestly, we're family. just talking. <laughs> we're just you know just uh, laying out what's in here. You know. We're just so, two Ongmos. Well, one yeah. Ongmo. He doesn't. I don't know if he counts, but. <laughs> <laughs> but like in Iraq, man, we have black people. We have like straight up, we have black people. Yeah, you have we the Muslim, have white, African, white people. people as well. Yeah, mm. yeah, and like Iraqi, like straight up Iraqi. You know, just like me, they speak like mm. me and all that. So we never like there isn't really like uh, 
I'm I'm sure there's probably a racists over there or what's another word for racist mm. I'd say mm. but I'm sure like like I said every country that I've wit- gone to you'll witness something like that you know people either get criticized for being in another country or whatever you know um tell you a story like back in the states you know um I've seen somebody like hanging out and uh like uh Somebody was actually from, uh, what was it? What was it? Uh, Nepal. Nepal. And uh, another person, like, we're three of us sitting, talking. And uh, the dude, you know, just asked where he's from, you know. So the dude leaves, the Nepalian dude leaves. And uh, the guy, I don't want to bring any names, the guy that was there, um, you know, just started criticizing you know, being in Nepal, all these guys smell good, they smell bad and all that, you know. And I just looked at him, I was like, dude, like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, you're going to... Especially, like, Nepalese people are yeah. cool as fuck, man. Yeah, dude. Like, I've been to Nepal. Those yeah, people are man. cool. Yeah, it's like... It's a weird... It's a weird place to pick on somebody from there that they're from. They have a pretty good reputation overseas, I thought. Yeah, man. Like, honestly, like, I don't care where the fuck you're from, man. You have no right to criticize anybody for whatever, you know. Maybe, like, you'll have, uh, I would say, not a, a bad uh, image, but, like, uh, let's say, you know, uh, one time a bad reaction happens, you're not going to judge them based on that, you know? You got to give everybody a chance, a fair chance. Yeah. You know? Well, I'll give you a story, too, and I'm, I'm going to be treading the line thinly here. Wugong. Send it. <laughs> talk about some Singapore race shit, so I apologize on behalf. If I do an accidental racism, I apologize in advance. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> so, you know, Singapore is a melting pot, right? It's, it's very ethnically diverse, yep. but you will see some weird shit here sometimes that you would never see in the U.S., right? I'll give yep. you a little example. Uh, I know this guy, Maher. He's a, he's a, he does jujitsu here in Singapore. He's a ref for a bunch of the tournaments, and been, I think he's a brown belt. I don't know if he's a black belt now or not, but shout out to you, Maher. He just shared something on Facebook, and it was, uh, he was asking about rent. He was trying to rent a, a place somewhere, right? Yep. Just get an apartment. And uh, he, he's Singaporean. He's yep. fucking born here, yeah. right? Yeah. And he uh, applied for a place to live. And he was like, hey, uh, I'll be out of town for a while. When can we meet up? And they write him back. And they're like, oh, sorry. We're only accepting applications from foreigners. Oh. So, so he's a Singaporean. And they wouldn't let him live in this place because yeah. he's not a foreigner. Yeah. That's, that's actually like the thing that you explained earlier about the casino. Yeah, same because, thing. You know, the casino, only foreigners get in yeah. for free. Locals got to pay. Yeah, and bro. I'll, I'll, <laughs> and I'll go one up. Again, treading lightly here. Yeah. You can see this, and I have seen this when I was looking for apartments. There are some apartments that you can look for, condos and shit, where it will literally say on the listing, no Indians. Oh, wow. Yeah, because it'll be like an expat condo, or it'll be a, it'll be a Chinese condo or something, and they huh. can literally say no fucking Indians. Isn't that crazy? That's, I'm not trying to stir the pot insane, here. I, yeah. This is just my personal experience. So no, like, get mad like at I was me if you want. I'm just describing to you uh, an anecdote that someone else saw that I just saw yesterday. And yeah. me personally looking for a condo. And I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, can you, can you do that? Can you yeah. just say no Indians? Yeah. Like, that's, that's crazy to me. Yeah, that is. That's, that's really crazy. But, but like I was saying This is saying also earlier. a country where, sorry. To no, no, you good. This no, is no. also a country where the racial balance is really good. There's no... Yeah. There's no, no people are pissed that the Indians aren't mad at the Malays, aren't mad at the Singapore. Yeah. Like everybody it's just how here it is, I exists guess. very peacefully, all yeah. the religions and races. But then you'll see these little, 
these little things that are quite weird that you would never see in America. Yeah. But then again, in America, the racial tension is way higher than it is here. Yeah. Where they have these some of these weird little things. Yeah. So it's just yeah. one of those things like every yeah. country sort of has their own way of dealing with this and the racial tensions and making everybody live together peacefully. But you'll still get some weirdness even in a place like this. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, like you were saying earlier, uh, how you were in China with your wife and like you'll witness people just you know, turn it around. Um, I went from Vermont to Florida. We, I just traveled. I was going through a rough time at the time. I just wanted the space, me and my cousin. And we drove down to Florida and like down south. It's a long drive. Yeah, dude. And uh, I remember like walking into gas stations or whatever, like in uh, down like in uh, North Carolina or Carolina. And you'll see like, like I walked, I remember walking a gas station, and you, literally you'll have people like just turn around. Yeah, very aware of you. Yeah, right? and like, hey, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's like, like I said, like you get it everywhere. Like in Iraq, I witnessed it. Being an Iraqi, people being, uh, I wouldn't say offensive, but like sort of like not racist, but you know, like criticizing somebody from a different country. Yeah. And when I traveled to Syria. I had that happen to me, mm. and I saw that happen. When I traveled to the United States, I realized, man, people are actually racist to black people, mm. you know? So it's like, no matter where you're going to go, you'll always have that, I would say, you know? But what can you do, you know? What, what else can you do? It's except, just going to take time, man. Except, except be a better human and, and, and try to, like, uh, send, a, send out a positive vibe so everybody could, you know, work, work their way, you know? and hopefully uh, make the world a better place, you know? Well, it's, it's one of those things, like, over time, I think this shit will go away. Yeah. Because, I mean, a lot of Singaporeans are surprised by this statistic, and I don't know how accurate it is nowadays, but it's still not far from the truth. Yeah. But uh, only something like 10 to 20% of Americans even have a passport. So you're dealing with, like, 10, because most people, most live in the central part of the United States. Then you got the cities. You got New York yeah. and California. Yeah, yeah. Those places will have more people who've traveled. Yep. But if you're not in Chicago, Houston, New York, yeah. or L.A., or one of the big-ass cities, yeah. those people are most likely not leaving, or at the very most, it's oh, Canada man, or Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. So when you have a 350 million population like the U.S., and 10 to 20% of your people have or they're the only ones that have left your country you're gonna have a certain amount of xenophobia that exists yeah. over time that shit will go away but it's like a fucking old school racist or someone that's homophobic the only thing that's gonna make you not racist or not homophobic is meeting somebody from a different race or meeting somebody that's gay yeah as soon as you have a human one-on-one -on -one connection a with reaction. a person yeah. you very quickly you'll realize that what the fuck was this was i thinking like these yeah. are just people like they're people yeah. like anyone else yeah, and yeah. once you have that personal contact yeah. with them you'll very quickly start to yeah. question what you were thinking yeah. but if you just are sitting in your bubble in fucking rural west virginia north carolina alabama like one of these small town areas and you've never met uh someone from china or singapore yeah. or yeah. africa or wherever the fuck you're probably going to have some inaccurate depictions of them yeah how could yeah. you have anything else if you've never met one yeah person from there yeah for sure i've actually have had people come up to me and say like uh, you could tell like they had a different uh, idea of you or like your people or whoever and i've had them come up and say hey like you know i'm i'm glad i met you you know like now i understand you know this and that you know so thank you and all that and like i respect that you know like people 
are not just going to be closed-minded, you know. I respect the ones that, you know, come up and honestly say, you know, straight up of, like, what they're, you know, how they felt about you, you know. And, like, I've had a friend before, it happened in front of it, like, I had somebody come up and say, you know, you're, you know, like, uh, you guys are really nice people, you know, uh, even though we've heard a lot of shit about you guys, but you guys are, like, nice and all that, and, like, thank you, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I had my cousin, he's like, man, this guy is racist. I'm like, no, bro, like, this guy just literally, like, acknowledged what's happening, you know? And, like, I respect that for that, you know? I respect him for that, you know? But, um, yeah, you'll, you'll always have that, man. But, um, let's, uh, I don't know. Too much race, huh? <laughs> yeah, not, dude. We can talk about it. No, we can, we don't I, don't, about I don't know how Singaporeans feel about it. Dude, you that. can extrapolate <laughs> this shit everywhere, right? Like, I mean, I'll give you another example, right? Yeah. Like, I get stereotyped all the time as yeah. some fucking, like, wife-beating, brutish-type dude, right? Yeah. I've not had a single girlfriend whose parents haven't asked if I fucking beat her. Why? Because I'm the bald, white dude with tattoos who teaches MMA, and it's got this certain connotation, right? Yeah, yeah. My own fucking wife's mom was like, does he beat you? And I'm like, I, I fucking <laughs> told her. I told her years ago. I was like, I guarantee you she's going to ask that question at some point. <laughs> and she was like, no, 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 she won't, she won't. Right before we get married. Right before we get married, she, the, the, she, my wife's mom comes up. She goes, hey, uh, just don't look into this. Not a big deal, but... Uh, does he hit you? And she oh. came and told me right afterward. And I was like, I fucking told you. <laughs> I fuck. Why? Because I'm the bald dude with fucking tattoos. Yeah, yeah. And it just looks a certain way. Yeah, and, and you if, fight too. Yeah. So if you don't know me, and if you've <laughs> yeah. never talked to me long term, yeah. it's easy to see. I, I get it, right? I fit the stereotype. Yeah. Like when we went to China and people were breaking their necks and yeah. looking at me. I get it. Yeah. And fucking white, bald, kind of jacked. I said it, kind of jacked, <laughs> covered in tattoos, and I just, I fit, I fit a certain stereotype, right? Yeah. And I, I don't blame people for doing that, but yeah. it's one of those things, I think if you talk to me for like 20 minutes, yeah. you're probably going to realize that I'm not yeah. angry, Perspective, I'm man. not aggressive, yeah. I'm not a fucking asshole, I'm yeah. not violent at all. I've just yep. said, I've been doing martial arts for 15 years, I have never once been in a street fight, Yeah. ever. Yeah. I've never been in an altercation that got physical, even though... It's something, you know, you think about, it, you train. I'm, I've been training martial arts dedicated for 15 years. Yeah. So there's no question that those thoughts yeah. cropped into my head, but never been in a fight in my entire life that I wasn't paid for. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> even though I fit the, fit the type, I fit the bill, you know, people are just going to make those judgments, whether it's your race or your look or your how you speak or whatever the fuck. Yeah, I could know? show you a video right now. I actually have a footage of it. I had to put somebody on his back before. Did you get someone swung on you? Oh, man, he came up and he's like talking like all this crazy shit. And I'm like, dude, get out of here. I'm not trying to like fight you. At Until he something, drunk guy? No, no, it was like outside in downtown. Oh. And he like swung at him. I was a like, purple belt at the time. And he's big dude, jacked, marine. Mm. Uh, and he's like, I'm in the marine. I'm a sergeant, blah, blah, blah. I think he was pretty drunk. Mm. Not like drunk, but like, man, he could do damage, yeah. you know? And I remember he just like swung and I just took his bag, sat Cool, there. here's a double leg for you. Oh, man, that was, it was just perfect. But, like, I try to avoid it as much as I can. I try but to avoid exactly it. you did exactly what you're supposed to do with Exactly. Your well, what happened was he actually. situation, you de-escalate it. If that doesn't work, you just disable it. Yeah, person, I right? swear to God, I have this thing. If somebody hits me, you know, and I feel like I could do some damage and they won't do as much damage to me, I won't do as much. Yeah. But once they touch somebody that is close to me and you cross a line, 
that's it, you know. So at the time, I just took him, put him in a rear naked. There was three cops standing. I swear to God, and they're just standing there watching, mm. you know. And I'm like yelling, help, help. You could see it in the video, too. Wow, I'll show you up. after. Yeah, show me after. And the cops come up and, like, uh, another thing is, man, cops, cops. I don't care what cops, where you are from, man. Train jujitsu, train martial yeah. art, yeah, man. Yeah. No because, holy fuck, man. Yeah, you have to. If, you you're, have not, if to, you're a police officer and you're not training jujitsu. So after handing them, I had him in the rear naked. I, I was like, you got it? She's like, yeah. So I gave. You pass him off, right? Yeah, and three of them, you know, stack on top of him. I think was female and then two guys. And uh, they ended up tasing him. And he oh, pissed shit. himself. He pissed himself, and they had a hard time. So you literally him. passed this cuffing. dude off to three I police officers to God, who couldn't do what you did me, by yourself. It took me three seconds, four seconds to take his bag and just put his ass on the floor. And he was a big dude. My cousins were just like, yeah, you know, I, I like I don't. And then talk. the cops have to resort to tasing him, making him shit himself, and like yeah, he being pissed himself. But like himself. that's the thing, like I I don't usually talk to people about martial arts because I don't know. It's, you know, even though I do it every day, you know, people expect you to talk about it all the time. But I never talked about it. But once they saw it, dude, they're all just like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, this is crazy. You know, it's what's it's so important. I mean, uh, and I think we'll, we'll wrap up on this point. Yeah. But did you see we have to talk about this? Did you see? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll take one. Oh, oh shit. We got some. Oh, we're gone. we bringing us the bubble tea. So. Um, Thanks, dude. Thanks. So uh, not a sponsor. So uh, we, we talk about this. Did you see the video of BJ Penn, the, the newest video of him? A newer one? Oh, like from the like, last few days. No. Oh, no, shit, I've son. seen Matt Sierra. No, no, no. Matt this, Sierra. No, this is the opposite. This is a terrible video. So this was like just oh. a few days old. BJ Penn, for the second time in like a month, got caught in a street fight. And uh, he was talking shit to this drunk dude. Fat dude, right? No shirt on. White dude arguing with BJ Penn. And I mean, they're in each other's face. Uh, BJ, they're like talking, blah, blah, blah. They're pushing each other. And then BJ just like drops his hands. This dude fucking knocks him the fuck out. Yeah. He knocks BJ? Knocks BJ out cold. Oh. With a short left hook, dropped him, knocked him the fuck out. This is one of the best MMA oh, fighters of man. all time. One of the greatest. One yeah, of the that's, goats. That's letting your guard down, man. That's, that's. It's letting your guard down. And it's a guy who cannot give up fighting. And it's a guy who's yeah. not learned all the lessons. This is the second time he's been in the street fight. Yeah. And he's he's lost, I think, eight fights in a row. Yeah, yeah. UFC. He's 40 years old. Yeah. Dude, if you're 40 years old, you're a former two-division UFC champion. You're the first ever Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu yeah. world champion that's an American. What are you doing fighting drunk dudes at a fucking bar? Yeah, shit. And, like, with no regard to the fact that this person can hurt him, he yeah. gets knocked the fuck out by some bro dude at a bar who's shirtless in a street fight. Oh man, that's I mean, that's not it's no, not a good look, brutal, man. No, he's uh he's had one of the largest falls from grace in the history of the yeah, sport. Yeah, yeah, man. He's on like an eight fight losing streak yeah. in inside MMA, and then dude, you if you get knocked out by a drunk dude at a bar, that's man. that's rough. Yeah, that's rough, man. Usually like, usually you see somebody intoxicated, man, just walk the fuck away. They swing at you, choke their ass out. Yeah. In a nice but way. That was his mistake, don't, right? Don't hurt them, but he's, like. He's doing throwing strikes. Yeah. Like, why are you trying to swing at this dude? Because yeah. it's an ego thing again, right? I'll he have thought, to see the video, I'll man. show you after. I'll show you after. Man, I mean, that's. Knocked, laid out. Knocked the oh, fuck out. Oh, man. Was he Short drunk, too? Hook. Probably. Man. It's sad, right? Yeah. But I, I've had this one time before, but it's not like that. 
introducing Ali to some Singaporean bubble tea. I didn't have bubble tea really till I started traveling abroad. This oh, shit's wow. good, right? Yeah, boy, get in there. Wow. Mm-hmm. Open in mm. your eyes, bro. Singapore for the win. <laughs> but uh, this BJ Penn situation reminds me a little bit of, uh, and again, we'll finish on this point. Did you, did you ever hear about the Chinese guy, the Chinese MMA fighter, who started fighting all of these old masters and these like Tai Chi guys and these Kung Fu guys? Oh, and he's just swinging. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. trying to basically prove that MMA, that this, these yeah, old I've traditional martial arts are bullshit. I've seen that, yeah. Right? And the, the thing I've about, seen clips of it, yeah. The thing about this guy is apparently the Chinese government just banned his social medias and they, they're, they're going pretty hard on him and oh. cutting off his digital footprint and everything oh. because uh, they don't want this guy to expose yeah. all these traditional yeah. Chinese martial arts that have had thousands of years of history. He's going to kill thousands of history. Yeah. He's going to kill it. And here's the thing about that. that, right? The first thing is the U.S. already had this renaissance, right? Yep. We had the 80s and the 90s where you would have these traditional martial yeah. artists who would teach privately in their dojo. Nobody knew what the best martial arts was. Yep. So dojo storming started to happen. Then the Brazilians started going to other people's other academies. Schools, yeah. So we went through this phase. They started yeah, beating yeah. up other people. Jiu-Jitsu is the best. And then yeah. they had the UFC where you pit all these styles. Yeah, yeah. We've done this experiment already. So yeah. in the West, we know about Muay Thai, boxing, yeah. MMA, and wrestling yeah. and Jiu-Jitsu. Right, yeah. but in China, it's just opening up. Yeah, Taekwondo, the, they got they got all the Tai Chi and all the other yeah, stuff. But the thing yeah. about this this guy that's bad, the reason why he fucked up is because this is a guy who's an MMA fighter. He's big, he's yeah, jacked, yeah. he's in like his twenties yeah. or I've whatever, seen him, man. I've and he's seen fighting him. like fifty year old people. Yeah, and not only is he fighting them, he's fucking them up. Oh, he's going ham on him. He's just swinging. He's and this is his mistake, right? This guy could have been the type of guy to revolutionize martial arts for sure in China if he had just done it with some tact and some grace. If he had done what Matt Sarah did in that video, where he gets this drunk guy who starts talking shit, he gets on top of him, he mounts him, he pins his arm down, and he's like, "Okay, do what you want. You can throw a temper tantrum if you want. You're not going to fucking move." He's like, "Are you done? Yeah, you done? Whenever you're done, I'll let you go." He's embarrassing him. By using jujitsu, yeah. and he's showing that, like, listen, if I'm gonna fight some 50-year-old kung fu master grandpa that thinks his kung fu is gonna work on me, I'm gonna do what you did to the guy in the street fight. I'm gonna take you down. I'm gonna take your back. You're oh. probably gonna go spaz out. I'm gonna control you. I'm gonna be like this. Yeah, just like, okay, light stuff. Do, you don't do what have you can. to hurt the person. Yes, you know? I don't have to fuck you up, break your jaw, kick you in the head. Just be like, okay. Let's see if it works. And then he huh. freaks out, he freaks out, put up a little chuck stand up. Okay, let's try again. Yeah. I, throw whatever you want at me. Yeah. And I'm just going to take you down. I'm going to disable you. That shock factor yeah. is going to be so much more. And at the same time, you're not fucking ruining somebody. You're not ruining some 50-year-old yeah. dude who's been yeah, doing yeah. martial arts his whole life that just doesn't know. Yeah. So if he had just had a little bit of grace, like yeah. with the guy you got in with your street fight, if he's not trying to fuck these people up, if he's just like, look, yeah. I can use 10% of my energy yeah. and completely disable you with your 30, 30 years of Kung Fu or fucking whatever martial yeah, art yeah. you're doing, right? I mean, being a martial artist, you want to enter a fight, not getting hurt or you hurt your opponent, you know? I mean, yeah, we get, you know, you're trying to, you know, take each other out. But at the same time, you want to, you know, like, that's why there's a technique to it. That's why there's skill to it. That's why you got tap, you know. But entering a, a, a martial arts school like that and you're trying to fuck somebody up. Some with, old dude who's. With everything, you yeah. know, that's like, it's going to sort of make you look bad. Yeah. Do you think he's actually doing that to, like, just finish the fight quick instead of. No, he's just, he's just like, I'm going to show, show you. He's just bullying. I'm going to show you. Yeah. Because there's, listen, dude, if. Imagine a 50-year-old kung fu black belt. Imagine just throwing a full-power Muay Thai head kick at that guy. Like, what are you doing? 
Uh, what it doesn't are you take doing? Much. Doesn't yeah, take the guys much. are like 50 years old, yeah, and this is like much, a 20 something year old jacked. Like, yeah. the guy clearly lifts weights, knows uh, how to do MMA striking, knows jujitsu. It's like, dude, it's just tactless. Yeah. That's actually going to make the uh, MMA uh, reputation look bad, yes, I would say. Exactly. And, it's going to slow the progression down of yeah. what you're trying to do. Yeah, instead of actually making the situation better, you're actually sort of making it. Yeah, sort of worse for right everybody now. else. Because let me tell you, you right know? now, th this Chinese dude, if he went to some gyms in America or he went to some gyms in Brazil, oh, or in people hurt. could do that to him. Yeah, People could do that to him, hurt. and then he would quickly realize that the yeah. shoe was on the other foot. Now, if people were going to do that to them, he would probably wish that, like, same thing. They just disable yeah. you quickly. They tap you out. They teach you that, like, there's ways to do this yeah. that don't require so much violence. Yeah. Especially, like, I'm going to give you fucking brain damage to prove a point. Yeah. Like, there's ways that I can prove my point without fucking making you talk funny hey you so know? just to let everybody know we're not all like that we're not all martial artists like that not all mma fighters are like that we're actually usually some of the best martial artists craziest athletes you know fighters you know like in reacting with all the ufc fighters in the gym you know you'd expect these guys to be nuts but they're actually one of the genuine people on planet earth you know so, you, I mean, of course, you'll have a bad seed every now and then, you know, but that's just, you know, us being human. But um, we're not all like that, but you were saying, bro. Yeah, that's it, man. I mean, I think that's, that's a great point. And the goal, especially in situations like that, and uh, we had this women's self-defense seminar. Yeah. And uh, it, it's one of those things that, like, if you're a woman, I can't teach you enough martial arts in an hour and a half to ever really yeah. protect you. Yeah. I can just give you concepts and you yeah. can decide if those are interesting and if it's something you'd want to pursue further. Yeah. But if you're a woman and you're attacked and you've done one hour of self-defense, that I can't realistically help you yeah. in that situation. I can just expose you to the information. But the idea ultimately is, and this is true if you're in a conflict, but particularly before, is you got to de-escalate the situation. Yeah, yeah. It, guys, if you want to do self-defense, if you want to know how to not get hurt, you de-escalate, you use your language, you use your words, and yeah. you de-escalate the situation. Oh, yeah. If the situation yeah. gets out of hand, yeah, that's when you, you use, your jiu -jitsu use your jujitsu and you de-escalate with that. Same yeah. thing. I'm going to mount you. I'll pin your arms over your head. Yeah. You can throw a temper tantrum like a five-year-old. You're not, you're not getting out. You're not going anywhere. Yeah. And that will very quickly make you realize yeah. that... There's nothing you can do. You're fucked. I could hurt you if I want to, but I'm not going to. And then that is the ultimate step for self-defense, right? Because, listen, if, if we're both in a street fight, we're drunk at a bar, I BJ Penn, I do what that guy did, knocked out BJ Penn, he hits his, and it's some regular dude, he hits his fucking head on the curb and dies, guess what? Your ass is going to jail for murder. Yeah. Even if it's an accident. Yeah. There's no accidental deaths in jiu-jitsu. No. None. No. But if you once you start swinging punches, oh, yeah. BJ Penn, one of the greatest of all time, gets knocked out by some fucking nobody in a bar fight. Yeah. That won't happen if you use your jiu-jitsu. So for self-defense, people, if you're police officers like we were talking earlier, yeah. get on that jiu-jitsu. Just, just be aware, you know, like you were saying, de-escalate this situation just verbally, you know. You don't have to, like, you know, yo, back the fuck off, you know. You could, you know, like in that video, actually, if I could show the video... The guy is just cursing, doing all that well, shit. Link it on your and on your social like, media and shit. And then people, if they watch the video, maybe they can it's follow. It's not as, uh, like, it needs some lightning and mm. all that. Because the video is, like, moving and all that. Mm. But I knew something was just going to go fucking bad. Yeah, you can sense, right? Yeah, I could just sense it because he really wants it. He was mm. just like, uh. And he kept saying some shit. And I'm just like, yeah, you're right, man. You're right. You're right. And I kept giving, like, I try not to give him everything he wants, you know. People like that, you know, you, you, I'm sure you, uh, some people have had situations where 
shit just goes bad, you know. You know, you you want to de-escalate this situation, and you, you know you. Sometimes you, you have no option, though. Yeah, you have no option. You know, you yeah. gotta do it. But if you can, you know, do it in the safest way, do it, man. Well, I said uh, last podcast, and I think this is. I'm gonna make a shirt that fucking says this. Have you heard this old phrase? Walk softly, but carry a big stick. No. It's uh. So I think I think. Correct me, people in the comments or something, if I'm wrong. But this is Teddy Roosevelt, the president of the United States, had this phrase, which is what he described the U.S. military like, which is to walk softly and carry a big stick. Yeah. And what it means is you speak quietly. You don't you don't brag. You, yeah, you yeah. walk softly with gentle, yeah. right? You're gentle, but you carry a big stick. Yeah. So you you don't talk shit, but if shit gets out of hand, you're fucking ready for that. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the best way to describe jujitsu. You walk softly. You're peaceful. Yeah. But if shit gets out of hand. Yeah. You have a big stick to, to deal with it. And I think that that's, that's the ultimate goal of jiu-jitsu, yeah. right? It's just be humble like that. But if the situation comes upon you, then you need to be able to deal yeah. with it. If you got to use that jiu-jitsu, man, use it. Use it, you know? Like, I'm, like, I don't know. I have to see that PJ Penn video, man. Yeah, I'll show you as soon as we're so done. So he just put his hands down and yeah, the boom, guy swung. Clock with a short left hook, knocked oh, out cold. Oh, man, that's fucking terrible. Yeah. That is terrible. And PJ, man, I love PJ, man. Yeah. You know, especially like back in the old days. But he's man. having a rough spot. A couple yeah, bar fights. Man. His wife was talking yeah. about him doing his a His last of fight was uh, Ryan Hall, right? Yep. Yeah. He'll hook there. No, uh, he fought. Uh, who did he fight after that? I think he fought someone else and Mickey? lost. Mickey? No, no, no. no it was. No. Uh, uh, Clay Guida. He just lost to Clay, Clay Guida. Oh, man. But anyway, uh, we're, we're going to wrap up the podcast here, guys, on that, that sad right. BJ Penn note. Um, but, guys, if you're training, please feel free to come down. Stronghold MMA. Got classes sure. all the time. Uh, you can find me on the social media, Lucas Leisure on Facebook, Instagram, and then you can follow the, the gym at SG Stronghold on Instagram. Ali, give them your details, dude. Um, um, follow me on Instagram, um, Prince Alibaba, MMA. Um, <laughs> That's racist. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got that name in high school mm. from a friend of mine. Um, and uh, yeah, shout out to uh, my gym back home, my coaches, Mike DeRozier, uh, Chris Ballard. Um, honestly, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for them. You know, they taught me everything from zero to 100. And I should say that you're one you of know? the Jiu Jitsu Brotherhood yep. boys, too. That's yep. how we got shout the hook out to up Nick too. as well. Shout out to you, Nick. <laughs> Gonna meet you soon. <laughs> for sure um yeah thanks a lot guys and shout out to people at tristar making me better every single time i go man each time i go i'm learning something you know even though like sometimes i'll probably get totaled but i'm learning something every time i go and i'm thankful for everybody around here and everybody i encounter you know so all right my dude guys. stronghold podcast episode four in the What's, books thanks thank my dude brother. i appreciate it all right catch Cheers. you later guys <laughs>